If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 38. It's one of absolutely nobody. My name is Sunshine. Join my center. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good, Shannon. Good. I'm I, glad to hear it. I had a pretty good night's sleep this time, actually. Wow. I went to bed a bit earlier because I hadn't had a full night's sleep in like a week. And I had a thundering headache. Man, I feel so much better, Shannon. And it's I all because so of you. So you. thank you. Wait, why is it because of me? I don't know. I just want to say something nice for you. Okay. I appreciate that. Shannon, uh, before we start, yes. can I do something very unique for this podcast? Okay. I'll do an, unop- uh, an opening, <laughs> an unboxing on camera mm-hmm. of this. Okay. All right. You need to guess what this is before I start. You get one guess. That's all I get? Yeah, one guess. Uh, it's an Ethernet cable. Incorrect. HDMI cable. Also incorrect. It's a live onion. <laughs> yes. It's your dog. Exactly. Oh. oh, is it the Aegis of immortality? Shannon, I won. Finally. Oh, wait, how does this open? Yes. Oh, wait, which TI is that for? This is TI9. What color is I that? I want TI9. It looks Thank blue. you, Shannon. Th- I knew you supported me the whole way. Congratulations, Cinderin. Thank you so much. Level 1000. Well, right? No, I've never, I've never gotten level 1000. Oh. I just don't make enough that, money to do that, Cinderin. It wasn't that bad this year, to get honest. Yeah, the la- I won a lot of the uh, stuff on the way, and then I think the rest I just got from leveling up by playing. The last battle pass, I will say, it was the highest I've done because the axe was like level five hundred, and the the towers. I just needed all of it. So, kudos to Valve. Congratulations on making a lot of money. Kudos to Valve on shipping them out this year at better time. Uh, although yes. it apparently arrived at my post office eight days ago, and I wasn't noticed. And if I hadn't just randomly checked, they might have <laughs> sent it back in six days. So, pretty sure that's but not hey, on it Valve. got sent. It got sent this time. So that's not on Valve. What does that have to do with no, Valve? No, it's not. I'm not saying it's Valve's fault. You guys just need to learn how to do your mail in Denmark. Jesus. It wasn't so, Denmark's fault, I'm pretty sure, actually. It's always Denmark's fart, fault. Okay. Their fart as well. Uh, okay, we have a lot of topics. This is going to be the longest episode of all time, most likely. So uh, I will say we, we had to delay the episode. And because we're doing this on a Saturday, obviously the next episode on Tuesday will not happen. So this will kind of be like the combination of two weeks because this is a lot so to get us started, it's a Whopper Cinderin. episode, not sponsored by Burger King. But if you guys want, we're here. I think it's more of a Big Mac, personally. But, Shannon uh, probably doesn't even want to be endorsed by Burger King because he fucking hates. Uh, I mean, I'll you know what Burger King, I will learn to like your. If you bring back the Angus Burger, that was legit. I used to eat that all the time in college, and then you got rid of it, and now it's just complete garbage. But anyway, uh, we're gonna start off with some somber news, Cinderin. I want to hear your reaction to this. So Kobe Bryant. His daughter mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people died in a helicopter crash. That was, I'm going to say it was weird because 
let me just give my reaction, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you can give yours. Because I don't know what it's like to be a year that's not even into basketball. I'm super into basketball, as you guys know. When Kobe was a player, I hated his guts beyond belief. Like, number three on the list of most hated players while he was active. That's mainly because he was just so good and he just destroyed the Suns constantly, honestly. That was, <laughs> and he was on so the Lakers. It has, it has nothing to do with personality. It's just. No, I mean, early personality. He had some, let's say, issues with the law and whatnot, and I was not a big fan of mm-hmm. him either. But over okay. time, he started to grow on me. This is me being perfectly honest. And by the end of his career, like he got 60 points in his last game. I was in awe. I was like, holy shit, that's actually pretty cool. Not going to lie. And then after his career was over, he started to become more of a family man. Uh, he got an Oscar for a short video that he made. He just started doing some a lot, a lot of cool stuff with um, like just business-related things. He was actually just super hard worker in every single field he was into. I didn't know how, like, if you had asked me how I would react to him dying, I'd say, obviously, I'd be shocked, but I don't know if it would affect me that much. I don't know if it's the media in the U.S., but I, it's been really weird. I was actually kind of, like, really sad. Not to the point of tears. Like, if you watch, uh, like, these montages, obviously, I, I get teary-eyed for that stuff all the time, so that's nothing new. But it's felt really weird in the U.S., at least. Because every mm-hmm. channel's constantly talking about, like, still to this day, it's been, I mean, it's been like almost a week now. And it's just right. everything, like, everything on TV is related to this. And it's just felt, I don't know, it's, it, I'm trying to think back of anything in my lifetime that has felt, this is equivalent. I know some people might disagree with this, but for me, to put into perspective, this might be similar to, uh, like, JFK, the JFK assassinate, like, similar impact i know it's a president versus a basketball player but this guy's had like huge impact mm-hmm. on the sport that i'm following so it i don't know it's just been really weird i didn't expect to have like these emotions and whatnot but i'm interested to hear what your perspective is i mean i think uh i think it's also about the times right if you make the comparison to jfk it's like there's so much more information flow right so whenever something big like this happens it spreads like wildfire across everywhere um and it gets amplified too right um yeah so i I mean this is not to downplay either of them i'm just like i was just thinking you know maybe the reason that comparison makes sense is that if you imagine jfk assassination today who knows how that would be covered right it's just right well let me let me also say i mean obviously there's a lot of misinformation because i was following it live as it was happening or as it was being the jfk assassination yes i was i was very old or very young back then. dude if you were following that live i have some questions (laughs) but uh for the kobe thing it i guess okay so if you go back to like any any celebrity deaths in my lifetime i've never been affected like this i feel uh Mm -hmm. and there have been some of them that have you know hit me to a degree like a lot of people won't know this, but like Chris Farley, Phil Hartman, like these SNL guys that I love those guys a lot. And the, probably the biggest one, my favorite actor, I didn't even, wasn't even a fan of his, him as a comedian, but absolutely my favorite actor, Robin Williams. That was pretty bad. Uh, I love right. that guy. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel the same. Maybe it's because this guy was like just retired four years ago. Maybe it's because this is the sport that I follow. Maybe because, I mean, he's more, Kobe's more famous than all those people, in my opinion. Uh, it's like a global icon, 
you know? I think it might be it might be because like it's the sport you follow, so a lot of the content that you watch or pay attention to will be talking about this. So you're like True. super, yeah. it, you're like exposed to it all the time, and it does make it seem like more of a magnitude, right? So yeah, it's just it's really big to you, and that's I mean, um, to give you my honest response, like a lot of the times when I. Like I'm not into basketball at all, right? Like if you haven't watched the podcast, <laughs> if you have watched the podcast, it should really? be pretty I'm apparent shocked. by now that I don't really know much about basketball. But so like personally for me, I can obviously appreciate how big of an icon this guy was, but I did not have any like connection with the scene. I haven't really been right. following basketball. I haven't really been seeing this much because I don't watch TV, right? So the exposure I've had to this has basically been the Reddit front page and reading it and, you know, being like, mm-hmm. it's... You know, it's always a really big shame, but like just for me personally, this doesn't, it's not the same impact on just me as an individual, but I can totally emphasize with how big of a like tragedy this is for millions of people, right? It's a, it's a really, really big and sad thing. And the the thing about these things always is that like, so I didn't read the specifics about this with the hell. It was a helicopter crash, right? Yes. Um, so he... He used to take helicopters all the time because LA traffic right. is that bad. And when you're super rich, you take helicopters everywhere. Right. So he'd been doing that for 20 years or so. Okay. Because so, um, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the time, maybe it's just confirmation bias, but a lot of the time there's like celebrity deaths of this kind. It has to do with air travel. Like Again, maybe it's confirmation bias, but... Air travel is also one of the safest means of transportation. Like at least regular flights, right, are very safe. Right. And well, I the reason say... you hear about it is that it's a plane. When there's a plane crash, there's a lot of people dying, and then obviously yeah. it's a it's a big tragedy because of that. But relative to car accidents, like if you want to look at the odds, just I mean, now we're getting really pragmatic about it, but uh, flying is pretty safe. Yes. So what is it with helicopters? Is that way less safe, or is it bad? Because I feel like there's been multiple helicopter accidents. So from, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but from my mm-hmm. understanding, um, planes, when something goes wrong, you can do something about it. Obviously, when you're a passenger, like this is my biggest fear is dying on a plane because you have no control over it. That's why driving a car feels better, even though it's less safe by huge amounts, right? Well, how much but, control do you have if you're a passenger in a car? Well, none. Compared to... Well, if you're... Yeah, the passenger in the car is different, but if you're driving, you feel like you have control at least. Right. Okay. If you're the driver yourself. Uh, right. Right. But from a plane perspective, if something even if an engine goes out, I mean that happened. That I'm not gonna say that happens all the time. But it's not that crazy of a thing to happen. It's just like a lot of times they don't even. It's not even an emergency because there's so many engines. Somebody's gonna make fun of me because I maybe don't know what I'm talking about. But I remember <laughs> reading something about this. But when a heli- something goes wrong in a helicopter, it's just it's not good, you know. But right. From what I was reading, it was more like mist, uh, fog, pollution, something to that degree, and they shouldn't have been flying. Like a lot of flights had been canceled, but he did it anyway. Uh, I mean, it was a very seasoned helicopter yeah, pilot. So. It says here, Kobe Bryant, a helicopter firm, was not allowed to fly in fog. It's yeah. BBC World News today, actually. So I, mean, I don't really think is that, that that's... Is that very new news? Or? It's not that uncommon to, for them to do that, though. But it's just, obviously, things went... Right. Well, if I mean, if you start, I don't know why. Why put your life in jeopardy like that? I, I'm not saying it's their fault, right? I, I don't know who gets the clearance or who doesn't get the clearance in this case and flies anyway. Who makes the call? But for example, regular aircraft, if it's 
if it's like hazardous weather, the flights get canceled, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to fly if it's super dangerous. So why would helicopters do that? Helicopters, if anything, seem more susceptible to it. Like maybe he really needed to get somewhere and he was like, fuck it. We need to go. Like he had some important thing or whatever, but yeah, um, that's the other, I mean, we can only always, speculate. I mean, it could be, you know, Kobe's a very famous guy. Maybe you feel under pressure to fly, even though maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But yeah, obviously terrible. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is actually the worst transition. Great of transition. All time. So, Penis Man. Do you guys remember? <laughs> do you remember Penis Shannon, Man? You could have put this in different order. You are in control of what we talk talk about point by point. Why? Well, you know, uh, it's good. You're good at lightening the mood with your, your planning. I'm going to say yes. that. It's great. I mean, I did have an NBA topic that we're going to discuss briefly right after this. I just didn't want two NBA things in a row. And the only other thing is Penis Man. So Penis Man, as you guys know from a previous episode, was a very famous at this point, infamous, if you will, graffiti artist. I don't even know if you can call him an artist. It was literally just graffiti saying Penis Man all over Phoenix, Arizona, and Tempe specifically. He has been caught, Cinder, and in American fashion, it took an entire SWAT team to bring him down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a fucking parody, man. That's so good. It's like you look at this article and you think you think it's The Onion, you know? Penis, okay, here's the title, guys. Let me read this out to you literally word by word. Penis man graffiti artist arrested by 25... <laughs> Heavily armed SWAT officer. <laughs> that's, that's only an A, man. Very serious oh. business. <laughs> and then there's the mug shot of him, and I'm just imagining 25 SWAT officers getting this guy and he just has a fucking spray can. Yeah, the only oh. way you guys can find out more information of what he looks like, because I'm sure people are very oh. curious, is to Google penis man. Don't do it with incognito mode. Google needs to know that you're interested in this. Uh, for ads in the future, uh, so yeah, that's we. I'll, I'll keep you guys oh. apprised because I know everybody's super interested in this. Uh, in Did terms Boner of how, Dude make a a tribute to him now? Uh, I don't know. I have not heard anything on Boner Dude. He's gone into hiding. Maybe he's trying to oh. uh, avoid the make SWAT Penis team. Man the you know, avoid the SWAT team or just pretend that you know Penis Man is now the fall guy for both Penis Man and Boner guy. So uh, you know, Dude, actually, it is. what a way to go out, man. <laughs> Yeah, get arrested by a SWAT team for making graffiti. (laughs) Holy shit! Does it say anything about his punishment yet? Uh, Not that I know of. But when we hear more about it, uh, well, it's the U.S. He's probably getting corporal punishment. So let's hope so. God can only help. No, he'll probably be. uh, I think they do want to make an example of him because he did get famous within the valley. So would not be surprised. Famous for being a few years. Yeah, he is awesome. I agree. Okay. <laughs> so uh, last topic. I just want to do a quick rant. Um, Devin oh, Booker from the Phoenix Suns, Cinderin, was not selected to the All-Star team, and I was very yeah. upset by this. He was considered a lock by many. By many, I mean the people that actually understand basketball from an analytical level. Mm, like, he was Such as myself. Such as yourself, and I'm very I mean, upset. I did tweet at you, and then you didn't get it. Yeah, you... You replied to me, and I genuinely have no idea what you meant. Like, obviously, that went over my head. Whatever the hell you said, Do you want to explain? I, I, it I don't to even me? want to explain it on the podcast. It's not okay. good. It's probably <laughs> I'll too explain basic. Explain it later. Yeah. 
So Devin Booker is averaging like 27 points a game on historical field goal percentage numbers, Cinder, and yet was not selected the All-Star team. Field goal? That's NFL. Uh, sure. I mean, technically, yeah. I, guess I know this that. term. I know this. Why? Well, why wouldn't why would he get into the All Star match if he starts kicking the ball? That's not how you play basketball. So you, th- I mean, you don't know anything about basketball, then, Cinder. You can kick the ball all you want. Well, I'm pretty sure that doesn't make you an All Star. If you kick it into really the basket, it. it's five points. Just well, <laughs> okay, that sounds very <laughs> valuable. So the problem I have with the All Star game is the fact that there's always been this like criteria for it that everybody falls oh you have to have a good record and the suns their record is not great but they're in the hunt for the playoff spot still and there's players that were invited that have a worse record and worse stats everything worse than booker so this makes me very angry and the one that especially makes me angry for all the houston rockets fans out there russell westbrook is a pile of fucking shit this player sucks ass his field goal percentage is horrendous. how can you play with james harden who spaces the floor for you everybody double teams this guy you get wide open three cinder and he only shoots a 23 percent from three-point range disgusting horrible player super overrated booker should be an all-star disgusting NBA. i could do better completely rigged okay let's move on to actual topics i got my rant out of the way and this has actually woken me up so i'm really glad we did it in this order uh boner guy onto <laughs> booker and onto dota stuff so oh was it boner guy i thought it was boner dude it was probably boner guy. Penis man, boner guy. Yeah, yeah, it was boner guy. Right. So, Dream League Major has What about the ended. Oscar bet? Is there nothing yet? No, no, no. We we still have yet to talk about what we're going to be doing for the Oscar bet. Okay, do you have an idea? Oh, we can talk no, about it another time. I don't okay. have. That's why I'm skipping it, Cinderin. Take a hint. I okay? see. Well, we could take suggestions. Okay. If you guys want to post comments yeah. in YouTube... That's probably the best place for us to post a suggestion for what the punishment should be for the loser of the Oscar bet. And make it reasonable. Let's not yeah. go ham here. I mean, usually the suggestions are garbage. No offense, guys, but give it a little effort, you know? Record a, a video of, of you shooting three pointers until you score ten in a row. Ten in a row that's nah, that's a little hard. Especially in my I, I will get a heart attack before that. I Yeah, probably. We could do physical activity. Uh, I, I'm actually okay with that. Well, it needs to be work better than that, though, because you need to do push-ups, and I need to do what? Absolutely not. We'll come up with something stupid instead. I want to see you do push-ups. Of course you do. The whole world does, but that is reserved for me and the carpet. Wow, that sounds And I guess sexual. the dog, maybe. Wow, that's even more sexual. Okay, so the Dream League Major, Cinderin. Uh, <laughs> and- grapefruit juice. Sorry, somebody just wrote that. What? Oh, you need Somebody to drink suggested grapefruit? if I lose, I need to take a bath in grapefruit juice. <laughs> that, that sounds really unhealthy. That sounds like it would sting your penis hole quite Dude, a bit. Yeah, okay. I was not really thinking about that, but probably that too. But yeah, boner guy that's could gonna do be, it. So. That's a no. I don't okay. think we're going to do that. So on to right, real anyway, topics, Cinderin. Dream yeah, League. Let's go. Secret beats EG after being down 2-1. 3-2. Yeah. Uh, it was the final score. I yep. watched a few games. I didn't watch the finals, I won't lie, but I did watch, obviously, mm-hmm. we, we did the qualifier casting, and I watched a few of the bra- uh, upper bracket games. What were your thoughts overall on this tournament? Um, I think as the tournament progressed, something that surprised me a bit was the game duration. Like, games got longer. <clears throat> it was like the teams got better at not getting rolled over and understanding items better, understanding the map better, which isn't that unusual, but the average game time went up way high. 
compared to what I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool to see because the concern a lot of people had was this tournament would be just full of stomps, like 30-minute games. You get an advantage, you hold the outposts, you hold the shrines, and then uh, games just end relatively quickly. But we had some long games. I think we had a game of like 80 minutes with Alliance or something. Um, we saw, was, so in the group stage, we cast, I, I don't know if it was you, me, or you, me and Kezu, but we cast a 70-minute with Apex, I think on Drow, and that happened again in upper bracket, I believe. Okay. Which, <laughs> we don't want to talk about this too much because we're going to be talking about the patch. But there were some broken right. ass items in these seven minute games that just it just yeah. ended immediately, right? Yeah. Outside of that, I guess the thing most people are curious about is the finals. Uh, what I said after this finals was that it was the least even three two I remember seeing, um, yeah. and it's not because the teams weren't relatively evenly matched or evenly matched in general. Like Secret had kind of been trashing everyone, and the finals was three two, so you know that's pretty close. Um, but. The, the games were pretty one-sided. Close, right? A lot of the games were just draft-heavy. Like I'm looking at the match times now, and three of the games were about 45 minutes, and two games were about 35 minutes. But out of the 45-minute games, only one game was actually truly close. Like The other ones just had a team with a big lead pretty early on, just playing it clear and clean to end the game out, which I'm not blaming them for. I don't think they were like playing scared or being weak. It's just the strategy, the way the game works, that they had to do that in the games. But there were some seriously weird drafts in these finals for me, and it's a bit of a shame because like a three-two usually has is like an epic final. Game five was a stomp; it was mega outpick, yeah, as well. So that was a bit of a letdown. Like a lot of the times, a, a final with one-sided games can be completely salvaged by a really exciting game five. We just didn't have that. So it's funny um, that you say that because now that you're you're re-explaining what happened, I'm actually remembering I did watch a couple of the games in the grand finals. They just were not memorable. Because they were right. complete stomps. Um, I, I mean, I think the perfect example of an extremely memorable final that had one really good game was TI3. Like, people completely forgot true. that the first four games were stomps, kind of. Like, they were really one-sided. And then we had this epic game five when the teams had finally figured out what to do and everything yeah. was on the line. Um, and that can, you know, it's that one game... Uh, in the grand final with OG against um, TI8 grand final, OG against LGD, I think it was the game four. We had one amazing game four as well. And then game five was pretty one-sided, but it was still a super memorable <laughs> final because of the whole star line and like secondary things. And the game four was amazing. So what you're saying so, is TI4 still the worst finals? Yes. They were the worst. And I think for a lot of the Western audience, they weren't as invested because it was two Chinese teams. I personally don't care that much about that. I care about good Dota. Um, yeah, it's and less about that. They were playing well. It was just the patch wasn't encouraging, exciting Dota. It was... it. What, cr- they cracked the code and it was like, just push towers really fucking fast. Games were over in 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't it felt like like, much interesting fighting. So. It felt like this throughout the group stage and upper bracket. I mean, it makes sense to a degree, but it just felt like teams were still adjusting to the patch. Mm-hmm. Like just so many mistakes, yeah. so many. It's just sloppy play, even though they're like, you know, upper echelon teams. And then we're gonna talk about Absolutely. the passion just in the next segment. But like the games, just that's part of why the games just felt very one sided, right? Because the draft. It takes this patch. I think people are underestimating how much it impacts pro play. And the best, the best way I can explain it is, um, you know what, Shane? Here's a basketball metaphor for you or okay. simile. Let's say you've played basketball for 10 years and you're like very comfortable with it. 
And then you show up one day and now the ball is not round anymore. Now the okay. ball is a square. <clears throat> wow, that's quite the transition. Now mm. it's a cube, right? And mm-hmm. you just have to play with it. And basically what happens is when you need to throw, you need to consider the angle differently. You need to consider how you're holding the ball differently, how you pass differently, how you dribble. I mean, you can't even dribble with a cube. Uh, but basically these players, you know, when we play months and months of dota you get like muscle memory almost in situations how tanky are heroes how good are my spells what happens when i combine my hero with my teammates hero and we go on this third hero you know you don't sit there and do all the math you just have so much experience of playing dota that stuff is kind of ingrained in your mind when you when you play yeah you put in neutral items which in many ways is a bigger change than even talents actually because talents are a gradual change in the game. You see us. You see this enemy team. Okay, they're hitting level ten. You know what their talents are coming up. You know the heroes, and you go into the game. Now you have a, this feeling of a power level of an enemy hero, and they suddenly pick up two items. And if you don't get to pre-click them before the team fight begins, you're going in with the expectation that the fight is going to end and go like this, and you could be way off. Like mm-hmm. the, the the switches that happen during the game threw off all of your experience in the in the blink of an eye, and you need to relearn all of this, and that takes a lot of time. And the players haven't played thousands of games with this change, right? And for it to truly be something that's second nature to you in the game, you need to have played at least hundreds of games on the patch because there's so much variance. Um, but we'll talk about in the patch how they've kind of combated you're, that. Uh, um, not to but... go off on a tangent center, but your analogy is very interesting because I know it's not to the same degree of changing like mm-hmm. this with this patch in Dota, but basketball actually did something, you know, 10% of what you're saying in I want to say like 2007, 2008, something around that time, mm-hmm. uh, David Stern was the commissioner of the NBA at the time. They changed the material of the basketball just suddenly oh. with no warning. They changed it from leather to like this rubbery composite, right? And the players mm-hmm. hated it. And then after right. like two or three months of playing, uh, there started to be reports like these point guards, especially like Steve Nash from the Suns or and Jason Kidd from I think he was in Dallas at the time would have like horrible paper cuts all over their hands. And it was like all over social media. So once that was reported, they just went back to leather and we've been with leather again ever since. So it's really random change, but uh, just, you know, small change like that can make a huge difference still. Yeah, absolutely. Like we don't really, I think the sport that, you know, I love talking about tennis. That's why I know something about, I think that might be one of the sports where the rules change the most, like over the last 50 years there's been tons of changes in how you make rackets there's been changes to ball composition there's been changes to the surface honestly that probably has a huge impact and it's not really something that's talked about much in commentary when it happens but like that that can be the difference between you know it can be the rise and fall of players almost where if you're not good at adapting to this change and others are <clears throat> you're just going to look way worse than you did before. Cinder, I'm on an NBA roll be right now because somebody just typed in chat. The three-point line was once added to the NBA that made a huge difference. But the biggest difference, in my opinion, in the last 20 years of the NBA is they stopped. They started calling fouls on people on the perimeter where you touch them, like their hip or something like that when they're facing you with the ball. So as a result of calling these fouls, it's now a much more offensive-friendly game. So more points are scored, more up-tempo right. games as a result. And it's funny that it works this way because now more people are shooting three-pointers as a result because of the space and whatnot everything has changed so centers have become almost obsolete to a degree depending like centers now need to shoot threes for the most part barring a few exceptions so 
just little stuff like that can have huge impacts. And as a result of those changes, they got these huge TV deals because everybody's want, you know, more interested in the NBA because it's all offensive now, offensive heavy. And now teams are worth like double, triple what they used to be in the early 2000s. It's actually crazy. Um, That's pretty sorry. crazy. I'm just yeah. Let's change the, the rules like that in Dota as well. Let's make us rich. I mean, they. You can do this. Ti, you know. <laughs> yeah, change the rules for Ti so people invest twice as much. That's right. Uh, okay. How let's about move on we to the don't make Ti bigger, Shannon? We've talked about this. <laughs> seven we'll point. Make the rest bigger. That's true. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done on that front. But seven point two four Cinderin was released right yeah. after the major, and well. Uh, it sounds like Ice Frog listens or watches this uh, podcast. I'm pretty sure that's been confirmed at this point because neutral items now have their own designated slot. Congratulations, Cinderin. Golf. This is not a go. This is an actual clap. Can Golf I just tell like you? Can I tell you this was not my idea, and I never. This was Cinderin's idea, guys. Cinderin. This was this was not my idea. I never claimed it was, and I was said that it was. I was told that it was one of the things that were considered, and I was like, this is a good idea. So I, this was, I cannot take credit for this. I can take credit for a couple of other things in the patch, but this one was not my idea, Shannon. I'm Cinderin, sorry why, why would you do this to me? That was I just made a idea. big deal about you being smart and you just literally yeah, shot on I, my face. I don't, I, don't I don't like when people <laughs> give credit incorrectly. I don't like taking credit for other people's work or you know, I wouldn't like if other people get credit for my work. I mean, move to you America know, after a year, plagiarize. you'll transition. Yeah, just sure. Okay. Yeah, I would be perfect in American <laughs> University. Um, so what do you okay, think of this change? So, we can, you know, talk about your thoughts now that you've well, seen it. Well, I think it's the second best option that came to mind. Number one was to remove the concept and take the best items into the store. And this is the second best. And I have played games quite a lot since this patch came out. And I think it's much, much better. Mm -hmm. It feels way fairer. Uh, you have the extra drop as well. The neutral items now drop four instead of three. So there's a really high chance that every player in the team gets one good one and you distribute them like among the tier right it just it it the feel is just so much better when you play there's not this ridiculous monster that shows up with three items level minute 25 and it's just unkillable yeah uh, it doesn't happen anymore and the so item this stash was a very is, needed and good change the neutral item stash is awesome being able to teleport super good. items i never thought of that one that's super cool um yeah. i love that backpack slot has been reduced from four to three as a result of these changes that makes sense i think um yeah. Ancients there, drop a higher a rate, which is kind of cool. I mean, we don't need to go through the whole notes, obviously, but yeah, I just want to highlight exactly. some of the more important Shrines have been removed. They finally removed yep, shrines after big. all these years. Do you like that? I mean, it's been three years, right? Weren't they a 2017 thing, I think? I couldn't tell. It was Maybe. December It might feel like year. an eternity. In Dota, three years is a long time anyway. Yeah. So they removed shrines, uh, and what they did instead was that where the shrines were, they put the outposts. So now the sides of the map are desolate. There's nothing there. And that's kind of weird because there always has been something in Dota 2. Side shop, side shop. Mm -hmm. Side shop and then outpost. And now there's just nothing. And it makes me think that that space will be used for something. But I have no idea. It, A it's second kind of, and third Roshan. Boom. Or they bring back the side shop. Who knows? Eh, <laughs> that would okay. be kind of funny. That was full circle in like six months. Um. Yeah. So what happened is now that the outposts are in the respective jungles, they are they can be captured from the beginning of the game, but they still give the rewards at the same time. And then they got mega nerfed in vision. They had fourteen hundred <laughs> flying vision. Now they have seven hundred ground vision. So they're like a a mini ward. Uh, they have true sight though, which is kind of cool. Still, uh, in that range. Yeah. So what this means is, without going into too much technical detail, it's a pretty big buff to dire. 
because they're now the only team that has an outpost close to Roshan. Mm-hmm. Um, if Radiant control this outpost, it's obviously a different story, but the layout of the map, that will be a big point of contention this patch, is having that outpost, because that is the way you control Roche. There's no secondary TP location anymore for the Radiant, except if they have that outpost. Uh, if mid-tower falls, the distance to Roche Pit is pretty long. So, so you yeah. think it's going to be a dire-heavy meta? I don't know if it will be dire-heavy, but supposedly Dota has been Radiant-favored for a very long time. So it's good to have something that clearly favors dire. And now let's see what the what the numbers end up saying, right, for win rates. Um, it's like it's debatable because the Radiant's default gameplay is to take the radi- the dire top tower and then get into the jungle and take that outpost. I just think controlling the area will be harder, and people will teams will be doubling down on holding that area as dire as well. So it should lead to some really interesting gameplay. Uh, but we have to see. They didn't change the map layout much beside that, so maybe it's easy to get for Radiant and protect. Uh, I think it's just gonna. We'll we'll see what the high skill uh, teams end up doing about this. Because you could argue if the radiant get it anyway, (laughs) if the radiant get it because teams don't adapt their play and the radiant will get it just like they used to with the with the shrine area after they take the top tower, it could be even more radiant favored than the previous patch. I'm Uh, really offended you didn't congratulate me on my idea being implemented into the game. Which one? I said the bounty runes should not be by outposts. They should separate all. That's true. Now it's yeah. much more spread out. I, I like. I, it, feel, it It is weird that the sh- the outposts are in the jungle. It's going to take some getting used to. I've played like I don't know twenty games maybe. Uh, it it just takes a lot of getting used to. And from a radiant yeah, size, like why do I? Who gives a shit about this outpost? I mean, we need it, but I'm rarely going to TP to like, it. You know. See, this is the perfect example of what I've what I told about <laughs> talked about when you change the rules. Right. This is like the most basic thing. It's a rune that goes from one spot to another spot. And you still do double takes for like 50 games about where they are. Yeah. So thinking about when your try items get introduced and then pro Dota. It's like, it's like a totally different ballgame. It's so crazy. Getting four bounties are. at the beginning of the game is almost impossible now. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't think it's a problem that that's extremely I don't, I'm not saying it's do. a problem. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. For sure. Uh, GPM talents have been removed. I don't think we need to discuss this because that was kind we of... We wanted that. So yeah, we did we it. We wanted that. Void Spirit and Snapfire added to Captain's Mode. Congratulations to them. That. No Aghanim Scepter, though, for either of them. Come on, Ice nope. Frog. What's the deal? Huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. Couriers level 15 and 25 no longer can use items of any kind. And couriers are no longer tied to your passive gold. Which I liked. I kind of liked that. But it did feel like heroes like Nature's Prophet. I mean, the whole warding your base at level weird. 1... It was weird, but I don't know why I liked it. It just felt, it was kind of a cool thing, but they just pretty much scrapped it now. So what they did was they made it more punishing for your courier's lifetime when it dies. Uh, The respawn is longer by 10 seconds, and you get a little more bounty for killing it as well. So the the killer gets a bigger benefit, and you have a smaller net worth loss, but a bigger convenience loss. That's Mm -hmm. basically it. Uh, Tier 5 items are now at 60 minutes, so... Uh, the first game I played, by the way, went on this patch, went 70 minutes again. It ha- also had a lion in the game. Just, you know, a little trivia for you there, Cinderin. Just never ends. This fucking hero. Uh, but as a result of lowering it to 60 minutes, these tier five items got some heavy, heavy nerfs, which I think we're all pretty happy. I think the one that people were complaining yeah. about the most was Apex, 
which was based on mm-hmm. percentage of your main attribute. And I believe it's just a fixed amount, like 70 of yes. your main attribute. 75. Uh, I don't know if we want to go over anything specific in these changes because there was a lot of, obviously, tweaks. Yeah. Um, I have yet to have a tier 5 item. Maybe we'll be talking about it in the future. <laughs> I still haven't had... In this patch, I haven't had a 60-minute game. Poor so. Sundrin. But uh, we'll Maybe see. One Maybe I'll get one one day. One of our A to Z's feels like it'll go 60 minutes. It was close, right? It was 50-something on the previous version. So yeah. it, it's likely to happen for us in A to Z, I think. I guess um, um, we can mention a few of the tier 5 items that got mega nerfed. Like Mirror Shield cooldown is from 4 to 8. That's massive. Pirate Hat went down from 250 attack speed to 150. It's basically a moon shard now for all intents and purposes, but you get 300 gold for getting a kill. Kind of an interesting twist. Oh, Phoenix Ash was removed. I actually forgot about that one. We talked about mm-hmm. how that was kind of one of Meh. those that may be removed. But oh, we should mention Repair Kit was not taken out. Oh, yeah. But yes. no multi shot. So like? I think so. Out of the. I'll mention one thing that I suggested because we have to do that with the memes. They put in my Essence Ring suggestion. Very happy about that. Because, oh, you know, yeah, we were talking about how Essence Ring is so stupid on IO. And now instead of healing, it just gives you flat bonus health for 15 seconds. So it doesn't trigger healing or heal amp in any way. I mean, you, that was so specifically that was nice. your suggestion as well, right? Yeah, this is one that I wanted and we got. Uh, there's there's like a couple of... I just want to highlight this one because it was... You know, it's kind of a meme at this point with us in Essence Ring. So I wanted to point it out. And yeah, outside of that, Repair Kit, um, I wanted removed. So didn't get that one. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like this item. I still think it doesn't belong in the game. Uh, but holding on to it for now. I think Fusion Rune and Phoenix SP and remove is fine. Um, probably removing Fusion Rune is a necessity, especially when they start dropping in at 60. Like, that's just fucking crazy at that point. Um, Fallen Sky no longer has the re- disregarding yeah, damage on Blink, but you can also just get the full item now. So that's kind of yeah. cool. But Trident, I don't believe is the case, right? They nerfed it slightly from 33% to 30, but I think you still have to build it. I'm pretty sure. I don't know, man. This item's right? weird. Am I yeah, wrong? Or is it the full item? I you actually need don't to remember. build it. You need to yeah. build it. That's a weird one. Um, yeah. And I still Outside think Book of, of the Dead is maybe the worst tier five. They changed it so there's only two sets now, but they have 50% more HP and damage. It, is that really mm, significant? That's, that's better, but still not great, I think. Um, what else uh, I wanted trusty shovel removed or to not be able to dig up bounties uh, that was something I was hoping for as well which didn't happen I think uh, I'm I talked to Knoxville at um, after Leipzig I think trusty shovel has the highest win rate out of every neutral item in the game I'm pretty sure it was it, it was definitely top three highest win really rate. Huh. yeah because it's free gold, right? Like it's a tier one item that gives you health, and over the duration of a long game, you probably dig up like five to ten bounty runs. That's a lot of money. Like it, it matters if you do that consistently in games, games that are even. This slight advantage is that next extra item before the Roche fight, and in games that are one sided, it's it's irrelevant, right? In the one sided games, it doesn't matter because they're probably win or loss anyway. But it's a tiebreaker item that will make a lot of difference. I think that's why. Um, so I still think this item is too good. At least they remo- reduced the health by 50. But I think you could have either removed this item from the game or increased the um, lowered the cooldown 
and then remove the ability to dig up bounty runes so that you dig up more utility, get more TPs, what if more the, flasks, whatever it is. I don't know if this makes it then. counterintuitive, but what if the bounty rune only applies gold to you and not your team? Yeah, that would be a huge nerf too. That would also... Yeah, that might be too weak. No, that's fine, I think, honestly. Well, you want to delete Maybe. it. That's kind of weak. It's a weak item if it doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, Is there anything else in this patch that's... I mean, there's a lot of changes. We're not going to go through any more probably, but... Uh, is that good enough? I th I think the the big conclusion here is there's tons of hero changes too, like just regular balance stuff. Uh, I'm just really happy with this patch. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it stays very true to what we like about Dota. And even though some of us are not huge fans of neutral items, this is a really good compromise where you keep the system for the people that think it's fun. And it doesn't become overly intrusive in the, if you will, boomer Dota gameplay. Um <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> we still get to play our old game. Um, yeah, I'm super happy. Uh, I think last episode we talked about the matchmaking change. It keeps delivering. My games are so much better. Me too. Um, it's really good. I would love if they didn't change it now. Like, we don't, they don't need to try to improve it by a little bit with the risk of it failing. Just right now is so good. Like, don't change it. So um, good. Yes. Very, very nice matchmaking right now. Yep, I so, agree. Yeah. I have had, I mean, obviously there's going to be anomalies where your game is garbage, but uh, that's just that's just life. This has been, it's hard to remember back many years, but I want to say this iteration of matchmaking is one of the five best we've ever had. And that might not sound great, but we've had a lot of iterations. We've had hundreds. So, yeah, so it's still it's still really good right now. Maybe it's even top three. Like the matches are just very good for the most part. Doesn't mean every game is close. Like Dota has stomps, even if the matches are even in skill. There will be draft issues, there will be outplays, there will be communication, whatever it is. But as long as it feels like the playing field is interesting every game in a positive, interesting way, not in a negative, interesting way, then I'm happy. So, okay. That's pretty good. Obviously. That's great to hear. So I'm glad you're happy with your life right now. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, True Sight okay. was recently released. Uh, did you watch it? Uh, I did not, Shannon. However, I did Great. watch something else. Yeah, okay. What You watched the second version of True Sight where the players had reactions? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I haven't watched True Sight yet. Did you watch it? Yes, I, I watched the non-player version. Um, right. I thought it was really good. Somebody in chat had a good suggestion that we should mention this, that it's not a true documentary. It wasn't in chronological order or anything like that, but mm. I found it very intriguing. Uh, it was super interesting to see like how close the teams were mentally in terms of like the drafts like they both were just finishing each other's sentences so to speak despite being in different booths um kind of humanized the whole thing i felt i mean right. i'm a weha fanboy i felt so bad for him uh <laughs> yeah. it was just crushing i um, i've seen some of that. the like highlight clips or shots or texts or whatever from it with subtitles on um and yeah, I mean, it's, I think any game at a high level of competition is extremely high highs, low lows, big pressure, mentality driven. It's, I don't think there is any sport in the world that isn't extremely mentally taxing at the highest level. That is, yeah. that is the hardest thing about being really competitive about something is how competitive everyone else is. Uh, you just, yeah. It's it's tough. 
Um, so and it's, it was... it's cool that people get to see that because I feel like a lot of the time in commentary or in, you know, when you watch the games, that human aspect isn't really there that much. But it's there's so much that happens outside of the game that has yeah. a huge impact on what happens inside the game that people don't see. <laughs> like the impact of having someone like Seb on your team or the impact of being good at dealing with losses as a team or, you know, the impact of just having one really good friend in your team that can pull you up, like whatever it is, it makes a huge difference. Um, so it's really cool to to see I those was, things, right? I wasn't sure what to expect because the series itself wasn't great. Uh, Liquid won game one in, I guess mm-hmm. you can call it epic fashion, but it was more like the way that I looked at it, when I mean, we talked about this before, is just Anna didn't buy back and it was really weird. I was like, what the hell just happened? Um, but the clip right afterwards was really revealing, right? So here's the thing about I did that see clip. this clip. I did see that. Okay, I want to hear your, I did see that clip. your take on that, and I'll give mine. So basically what happened, right, was that they they lost the game. Ana didn't buy back. And then afterwards he was like, sorry, I should have bought back. And then Seb was like, don't worry about it, man. You carried us the whole game. You made one mistake. It happens. Like That's the kind of thing you want to hear as a player that just lost the game. It's not, you know, yeah, man, you fucked up. Please don't make that mistake again. Like It doesn't help, you know? But yeah. I think Seb had a very good understanding of how to enable Ana as a player in that team. And that is a huge part of their success is mental. Um, I don't think individually as players that OG were better than other teams necessarily. Uh, maybe on certain positions they have, they can contest for like top three player in the position or whatever, if you will, if you are very much into like player by player comparison. Uh, but it's a team game. It's about being so, a good team. I don't know and if that's uh, awesome other, to see, right? <clears throat> I don't know if other people took the same thing away that I did. I need to rewatch it probably mm-hmm. to maybe double check. I felt like watching it, my mind was changed that it actually wasn't really his fault because I remember, and again, this I need to watch it again, but I remember him asking, like right when he died, should I buy back? And his team said no. And then it got to a certain point where he's like, uh, I don't really want to buy back. Like Then he started to say, I don't really want to buy back, even though it was getting kind of close and he ends up doing it a little mm-hmm. bit later. It was like maybe five seconds yeah. later than that point. So that was kind I of mean, weird for me because I didn't feel like it, it was not... entirely his fault. At the time that the no is called, I think it's a good call. That's the thing. Like You can't make a universal call for what's going to happen in the next minute. You have a read on the situation, and the situation will change. And I think when Anna asked, Seb said no, or whoever said no uh, in that clip. Um, the enemy starts pushing down mid, and you're like, okay, they're pushing faster than we thought, or oh, wow, they're actually going to try to end the game. And then you might need to buy back, right? But if it was to contest mm-hmm. Roshan, or you know whatever it could have been, then... Yeah, the conditions change. And I, I generally don't think situations like that are one player's fault. Almost ever. Uh, it's a team decision. It's a team moment. Uh, you could argue that the guy with the buyback has more responsibility, but they're communicating and they're making the decision together. So, yeah. And he felt bad, right? Because it's him. <laughs> it's his hero. But I agree. It wasn't much more his fault than anyone else's. But in the narrative of the game, when people watch, it's going to look like Anna is an idiot, right? That's what's right. so fascinating about this stuff. Is that that's why I was looking you forward to it. You don't hear the comms. You don't see along. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's, I think that was really good. other stuff that I took away from it was really interesting to see the dynamics of how, like, their lower bracket run for Liquid was really good. Obviously, they didn't. I don't think they dropped one game. I want to say, or maybe they did in the lower bracket finals, but they mm. were spamming TA and Tidehunter, and they were crushing everyone with it. 
And once they got to OG, those heroes just didn't work anymore. Like I felt really bad for mind control, especially because he just could not do anything on Tidehunter. Yeah. And it's And then Koro said, just play more like Seb, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little weird of a comment, not gonna lie. But no, also it, it's it was it the shows right comment, the, actually. Oh, it shows yeah, the mentality. I meant from like a well, is it the right comment from a uh morale standpoint though i don't think so um i think people misunderstood it and i think if well some people did right most people probably didn't but um the way i i didn't see the clip okay so i don't know what the intonation was if kuro was fuming i would assume he wasn't uh, he's generally pretty calm and, and composed um but obviously what he meant was play style wise he knows mind control is an amazing player that is super flexible in how he plays the game and they were struggling to find footing in this finals and he was like you need we need mind control to play more like Seb style, not lol. You're playing like shit. Just play better. Seb is playing great today. <laughs> you know, like that's not. Uh, <clears throat> no, no. And no. if you know the captain like that, if you know how he talks about Dota, if you know the way he explains things, I wouldn't take any offense to that. If I was the offlaner in that situation, it's it's strictly a strategic call that we need to change our strategy so that you are more active. I'm sure Mind Control knew exactly what he meant in the moment. You're probably right. Um, it. I think the way that they like. Again, you can be manipulated based on the drama of the actual movie mm-hmm. itself, right? The way that they set it up because yeah. like, you feel bad for mind control. He's obviously down and then a comment like that just takes it to the next level, at least on our minds, or my mind at least. But, I mean, it is, a great, it is a great quote in the moment because of the duality of what it can mean, right? But right. really, he's not, Akuro would not break down like that in the grand finals and tell his player, well, you're playing like shit, play better. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah, the, like some of the picks, they just kept picking them and they weren't working against OG despite them working against every other team. And you have to understand that mentality, right? Like from our side, mm-hmm. when we're watching it the first time, like why do they keep picking these here? Well, because not only are they comfortable with them, but they crushed everyone else. But just so happens OG's play style just dominates these specific heroes. Um, so you get a little bit more empathy, uh, mm-hmm. understanding of what actually happened. And then the last game where Io was picked... They just let it through. Like, let's just let basically everything through and we'll get two out of the three heroes. But Io was just busted beyond, like, that's probably one of the most broken heroes of all time, I want to say. And at least in the last five years, that iteration of Io is... I think yeah, they did it was not lose largely one game. ignored in the tournament. It's so funny, like because not everyone could play it at that time, right? Exactly. Like, no, nobody played it core except Ana. Really, yeah. Uh, that was funny to see. But the yeah. thing that I well, loved I will, about oh, I will tell you though. Before mm-hmm. I will watch True Sight. Okay, I'm not gonna not watch it. I just haven't got around to just doing like it. Embrace, I watched yep. the I watched the first one. Um, okay, I will watch it. Good to know. But yeah, I I but, still think this was a pretty good talk without me having watched it. To be no, honest, I agree. I think okay. okay, let's move on because after True Sight, OG made some announcements which carried over from previous days and then the next day, which yeah. is actually kind of good that we're doing podcasts now because we can just cover everything. Uh, Anna will not be coming back this season. They said he will be coming back next season, which is kind of a weird announcement based on their full roster that was revealed, which we'll get to in a couple minutes here. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I think Ana might not come back. Um, but they're basically extend- they're extending the lease, right, if you will. Um, I don't know if that's the word, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, it's speculation, right? He might... But if you look at how he has been playing competitive Dota, uh, maybe he will get the thirst for it again or the hunger for it. But he has kind of been taking very long breaks and then come back to OG when they really needed it shortly before a TI. Uh, and then he kind of disappears again. So 
it makes you wonder if like if that passion or that fire for it is kind of fading uh I think in the past he would be way more actively playing uh, and be more hungry for the competitive Dota. I, and again, it's it's speculation. I could completely be it wrong. It could come down but to it, him being burnt it, out for a period of time. It is right? just a weird. Um, it's a weird situation, right? To have a that long break and still like the the wording doesn't say he's coming back to the team either. It says he will extend his break and come back for the next season. It doesn't. Like okay. maybe he has maybe told the team, he's like, you know, guys, I'm gonna, I need a longer break. I don't know if I want to play pro Dota anymore, or maybe I know I do, but I just need to reset for a longer time. I really want to just do something else with my life for a year and then come back to playing. Um, and then who knows if you will be playing for the team because being gone for a year and then just coming back to claim your throne is not really something that works most of the time in Dota. Yeah. Um, it's it's just hard to say, right, what he wants to do. And I think, like, regardless of what he does, he's been incredibly successful in Dota, right? So He can do whatever he wants. He can retire, basically, yeah, at he this could. point. He could. Depending on the country um, you live in. Dota, Dota is weird like that. Has How many majors did Ana win? Did he win two? I think. Is that what people forget he about OG? Like, four, everybody talks right? about the two TI wins, but OG had a ridiculous streak at one point where they were just owning every yeah. tournament. They so won land after land majors. The first two majors were with... Miracle and yeah. Crit, I believe, right? Yes. And Fly. And then I think Ana won two with two, them as well. Yeah, the last two were Ana. He um, won the key I, of Major. I remember that. I was casting that finals. He had Troll against Alk, I think. And they S4 were definitely losing on, that game to VP. And then they I think won. S4 was on the second iteration as well. Yes, I think yeah. so too. Um, so yeah, various, so yeah, uh, I mean, very... Super accomplished. Like, very few, but very big wins, right? That's... Kind of percentage. What, oh, that's kind of what OG has been, which is fascinating. Like people consider them the greatest team of all time. Um, many people do because they've won two TIs, and there's nothing to, you can't take anything away from that. It's just funny, like over the scope of the entire game, how you know relatively low tournament wins some of these players have, especially someone like Thompson. Right? Has he won anything else than two TIs? <laughs> I don't even know if he's won another tournament. I don't uh, think so. Because they didn't it's do so shit. Crazy, DPC it's so crazy to think about, like. The perspective of that is unbelievable. It's just um, clutch, man. Guys that's clutch. awesome. It's just awesome. I, I don't got know. Balls of like, steel. Awesome. Did you see his? Did you see his outfit? Did you see pictures I did, of yeah. it? I did. Dude, he has changed, man. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's a cool guy. He has changed. Uh, okay, so moving on to the next player from OG, Jerax has officially announced his retirement. I'm going to read a quick quote from the 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 article. I have no willingness nor passion to play Dota 2 anymore, and I have trouble fitting myself into my competitor's shoes. For me, the decision to pursue another to another direction is clear, and I have no doubts about it. That was... I, I feel like people retiring isn't that shocking, especially when they win, because it's hard to mm-hmm. get motivation to do it again, and they've done it twice. And, you know, some love you're like, eh, they're probably going to come back. But saying you have no willingness or passion to play Dota 2 anymore, that was actually shocking for me to to read yeah to play dota 2 at all it sounds like right yeah. it's just done with the game it's not just playing pro dota or taking a racist i want something else in my life than this video game which i think it's a really big step to take but i also think it's very admirable in a way it's like you know you set yourself a competitive goal you made it now you want to do something else in life this is something that happens to a lot of people that do something competitive is once you've reached your goal and maybe even surpassed it, they won two TIs. It, it's, it takes a toll on you. It's really stressful. There's so much going into it. 
if you can't find the motivation to keep doing it, it will it will be depressing because you will constantly be feeling like you're letting your team down. And they probably want to hold on to you because they know what greatness you can achieve and they will keep giving you second and third chances. But if you don't feel it yourself, you don't want to spend all the time and energy on it and waste other people's time. And, you know, it's it's really admirable for people. I think this is a hard t- hard call for a lot of players to make, you know. It's this thing about stopping while quitting while you're on top. That's really hard because you're on top and you're rolling, right? Man, I'm fucking owning the yeah. world. But he just he's a really reasonable person. It's like super down to earth, very. I think he has a very logical outlook on things, very, you know, clear mind. And he's had yeah, time to reflect vibe. upon it and think about it. And, you know, a lot of people consider it a big loss to Dota that he's not playing anymore. In a way, it would be a bigger loss if he keeps playing but isn't good and isn't feeling good, right? Like, that's a bigger shame. Then you're kind of like spoiling your legacy or making your team look bad. And it's that's an interesting like, segue why, why it, right? in a few minutes, which we'll change topics to because we have another player to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for OG, to finish it off, Seb... Uh, I like how <laughs> three players are not playing for OG anymore, but they're all for different reasons, right? One's retiring yeah. in Jerax. Anna is uh, doing God on knows break. what. It's just on break. And then Seb is like, it's not a retirement, but it could be based on mm-hmm. the article. So I'll just read another quick quote. It's time for me to take a step back and remove myself from the active roster. I will be taking a role with an OG in which I will be able to help all teams and players increasing their performance. Whether it's Dota, CSGO, OG is now a home for great champions to come. I'll be able to put my experience to even better use alongside these talents. I do not want this to sound like a definitive retirement, even though it could very well end up being it. I love the surprises that come with life. Therefore, I'll always keep every door open. So this sounds like taking more of an organizational role, trying to coaching. grow the brand. Uh, well, he said that Sashka will also be there. So two coaches, Sindarin? I think um, I think Seb will be more of a... Um, how to explain it? I think he'll be more of a macro coach for both games. Like, not really a life coach, but more of a... He has an experience that Sashka doesn't, even mm-hmm. though Sox has now been with the team for a while. Like his understanding of how to make teammates play around each other and enable them, and I, I'm sure he has passed down some of his knowledge and all of the things he has learned to Sox. But uh, I would imagine that what Seb will be doing is helping the teams play better together, as broad as that might sound. A lot of the times, coaches like we talk about two types of coaches. To make it simple, there's the life coach who helps with interpersonal relations. And then there's the strategy coach that helps with drafting or analyzing replays or preparing for opponents. I could easily imagine that they will not necessarily do a hard division, but have Sokska be more of a team prep guy for OG and for Dota only, whereas Mm -hmm. Seb could be more of a uh, enabling coach for both CSGO and Dota, like helping teams with how to build trust in each other, how to structure a team so that everybody brings out the best in each other, uh, helping them solve problems so that they can play at their absolute best. I could see something like this maybe, um, but I don't know. It's just my reading of it and yeah. knowing Seb a little bit. I think it really uh, enjoy doing that. Yeah, it's, it, it was a cool announcement because it, it sounds like he's got his shit together, right? He knows what he's yeah. doing at this point. Yeah, um, he does. No one's going to doubt Seb anymore. Leaving the doors open is always a good choice as well. So, Yep. Uh, Okay. And then the final announcement from OG. Feels like an OG podcast right now. Uh, (laughs) Their roster was announced. So No Tail and Topson will be returning. 
and they will and this is a rumored lineup i can't remember if we actually discussed it or not but they'll be joined by soxa my boy as the position four or five probably the four and sumail and mid one that this is a star-studded lineup. We talked about Soxa being very underrated. I think he's one of the best supports in the entire world. He has three he of the top four the best MMR free accounts. Agent, period. I think. Yes. Not because he's a necessarily a better player at Dota than Sumail or Mid One, but because of the role itself and how good he is on that compared to the comp- uh, to the opposition that was available. He was Agreed. the best player you could. Guess, and they they needed somebody that. Uh, I mean, if you compare him to Jerax, Jerax. Mm-hmm. I would co- co- consider him like a calm person, doesn't talk that much during the game, just is chill. That's Soxa, like exactly the same. Yeah. So he, I think he, he can he fill is in the quite best nicely. replacement. Uh, and if you want to look over the other personalities, um, I think this team will work differently. I mean, clearly. Um, and what everybody wants to see is how is it going to look, right? Because. Um, I think OG was truly something special, and I don't really know if you can ever mimic it. I think Notel is going to obviously do his best with these players to to get something similar, but the way you get success with this team might be a different approach to how you play the game. Um, but it depends on the patch and all of their ideas and whatnot. Um, the, the player composition, like you said, Jerex to Soxa is pretty one-to-one. Uh, it's very similar, at least. Um, um, what is it? Ana to Samail, I think is a pretty big change in terms of personality and how they like come across on camera and the little bit we know about them. Mm-hmm. And then I think Seb to mid one is actually less of a transition than others might think in terms of in-game stuff. Because I think mid one is very like he's a pretty vocal player. He makes calls, he sets things up, and he's going to be playing offlane for them, just like Seb was. So I think the logic for OG was they want a high-skilled mechanical core player that can do in the game what Seb did with uh, being semi-leader as well in-game. Um, and I think he's a pretty good choice. Now, the meme right now is that you have three mid-players in the team, right? You have Topson, Samail, and mid-one. And we need to see how they adapt to their roles and how the whole piece comes together. This could be amazing, it could be terrible, and it could be okay. Like, I honestly, I cannot tell you well, how good EG, this is. Right? You have like, Ramses from position one to three, yeah. uh, mid-one, going to be from two to three are you surprised by the way like if you had just seen the names would you have put mid one in the off lane like is that would that have been your guess originally yes. okay because yes. sumail was playing so. off lane during his break yeah right I, I think that's a mistake like i i don't think you put this player in off lane i don't think that plays to his strengths really but at the same time you know what's what's fascinating about seeing these transitions in dota or people switching between corals and whatnot is it really shows how big a part of the game is being good at Dota, not being good at your role. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, people kind of over overrate, if you will, um, the importance of playing one lane or one role. Um, in pro Dota, there's tons of lane swapping. Like Sometimes the mid player is playing safe lane. Sometimes the safe lane player is playing mid lane. Sometimes the off laner has to go mid because it's his matchup there. Um, these players are good. They know how to play at a high level. They have a good competitive mentality and they're high skilled so they can swap between roles. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be the same impact because I think, for example, Samael in the offlane, I think it has potential in the right patch because he's a very like, he's an explosive playmaking player um, that also plays well with farm. Like, I don't think he plays the, he doesn't play starved three playmaker like Clockwork. He doesn't play well with, uh, 
or as well, rather. He doesn't play as well with heroes that aren't farmed as he does with heroes that are farmed, where he truly stands out. Mm-hmm. But in the right patch, the position three can be perfect for that, and then he can play there. Uh, the, the main the thing is you can move the pieces around, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. It's it's about what the meta is. It's about what works uh, then, there and then. Um, I'm you can you can tell there's like a bit of duality in what I'm saying, right? I'm saying like uh, players can play all these core roles, they can swap around, but at the same time, I'm saying you know some things are better than others, which they are. It's just it's not black and white. It's not like you're a mid player if you don't play mid your shit. You know, True. or it's you just, can I only play carry. Like Dota doesn't I will work say like that, more so. times than not, like the transitions that are quote unquote crazy to the outside public have not gone well traditionally, right? Not the ratio yeah, is not great that's fair. overall. Now it's this true. this was not on the uh, the agenda, but I do want to discuss one thing before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very interested in your opinion on this because mine is going to be like I don't know if I even have an opinion on this, but this goes back to kind of basketball related mentality. So mm-hmm. Sumail is a basketball fan, huge Michael, he calls himself the Michael Jordan of Dota. Like, first of all, before I get into this, I am a huge fan of Sumail. I think like the cockiness and all that, I actually love it. And we've talked about this mm-hmm. on past podcasts. I yeah. love that because it feels like everyone's dead inside. And then there's Sumail talking trash. I actually love that <laughs> shit so much. Now, having said that, Sumail wants to be the Michael Jordan of Dota. Okay. He wants mm-hmm. to, he's like, I'll have six, TIs by the time my career is over, whatever his quote was. He pulled a LeBron James here, though, Cinderin. He has mm-hmm. gone to, and again, I know this is not the same as NBA, because in the NBA, if you win a championship, that's like all that matters, right? But you mm-hmm. will be judged based on that. So, like Kevin Durant, maybe is a better example here. Kevin Durant went to a championship team that beat him in order for him to actually win. So it's not great on his resume because people don't respect him as much, but technically he's a champion, right? So Sumail yeah. obviously has a champion or championship already, so that's not the best example, but he's going to a team that won back-to-back TIs. Do you think from a personal, egotistical, narcissistical standpoint, this will hurt him in terms of him being the best player of all time? Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, no matter how many TIs he wins with this team, he'll always have one less than No Tail and Thompson, right? Right. It's like Kevin Durant going so, to Golden State. It's exactly the same for uh, that point. I don't know if he's really thinking about it. Maybe he is. Um, Probably not, but it's just an interesting thing. I think thing. Samel's competitive mentality is, I want to play at the top, and I want to be the best. And the way I'm the best is if I'm playing with the best, and if I feel comfortable. And he's, he's stuck with EG for a very long time through highs and lows. I don't feel like he's a team hopper. You know, like people are going to be like, oh, you left EG to join OG after they won TI. Well, he did play with EG for like five or six years. He's been like super loyal to EG. He's been like the rock of that team in many ways. You know, they even changed captains. They changed everyone else except Sumail has changed in EG in the last five years, right? Arteezy yep. went back and forth between EG and Secret. <laughs> Fly wasn't in the team originally. He joined. Yeah. S4 joined originally and left. Uh, Artezi is like a. I, I, I really want right. to make like these these examples now, like uh, comparisons. Artezi mm-hmm. is like a LeBron James that has never won a championship. He's just Dude, bouncing from so team hard to team. When you say it like that, <laughs> well, I love Artezi, but that's just. I saw actually. Now. I saw some. I saw a really interesting post today in Dota. In Dota, Artezi is the twentieth most earning player ever. I think in Dota two, without winning a major or TI. Yeah, that's crazy. that in itself is pretty impressive it is. when you look at the price pools. He's been like super consistently very high up. He just hasn't been number one. Right. And 
Yeah, it's still it's still a remarkable achievement. Like yes, I think yes, it was like two point three million dollars in prize winnings without winning a major RTI. That is a lot of money. All right, better example <laughs> for RTZ, Charles Barkley. Okay, I agree. I guess. Thank um, you. The All only right. thing I know about Charles Barkley is his ad. His um, ad. But anyway, which yeah ad the is this? the one I am not your oh role model your parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not your parents. <laughs> <laughs> that really caught on back in the 90s. I'm no not Genghis your parent. No here. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway. Uh, yeah. We can move on. So oh, let's do it. Uh, so the last Dota-related stuff, and then we've got a, still a full list of things to talk about. Dendi has a new org um, yep. called B8. Is it Bait or B8? I guess it's Bait. So they're going to be called Master what Bait? If it's all, what if it's all Bait? What if this whole reveal and the team name is a bait, but they actually have another org? Wow. What a PR move. What a PR. So what do you think of this? They came out with a video. There's not that much information on it. Dendi's making his own org. Um, anything? Um, it didn't announce any players, right? Uh, not Did it? the original announcement, at least. Let's oh, the, has the roster been announced? I actually don't remember. Uh, I'm going to Google. Don't think so. I'm going to say no. No. Okay. Doesn't seem like anything is announced. So, yeah, he's been talking about this wanting to make his own thing for a while. So I'm really happy for him that he's got something going. The video itself, I believe, was very well received and very, like, well made. Yeah, it was It was cool. Um, so that was a cool little way of making the announcement. Got to see what the players are and everything. Um, so I'm sure the transition you were looking for, we were talking about people quitting in their prime, right? With Jerex and Anna, or well, we don't know if Anna quit and Seb and whatnot. And obviously, Dendi's story has been kind of different. He was the icon for the game for a couple of years, and then things just got gradually worse. And I guess in many ways, it's tempting to quit. To, to me, this is like the opposite argument of the Jerex one, right? If you're not feeling it anymore, by all means, you know, if you don't, you don't force yourself to play if you don't have that drive. I think Dendi is inspirational in the other way. He's been beat down so many times. The community thinks he isn't very good anymore. He still has the drive. And I think by all means, don't quit then. Like, don't let everybody get to you and talk you down so that you give up, right? Like, if he's hungry, if he thinks he's still got it, let him play it, you know? I, I don't... I would never say, man, you should have quit when you were good, you know? That would have been such a better legacy. <laughs> I think he's still a big person in Dota, right? He has his own team now, and then... Am I the only one that feels like we'll legacy is overrated? Mm, in a way... In a way, it's a lot... Like, I, I don't know if it's overrated, because, you know, you want to be remembered. It's part of the competitive mentality, right? Is that you want people to care about you. Right? That's really what it is. You want to win... And the reason you want to win is that people care that you maybe win I'm, and that you care that you win. Maybe I have a right? mental issue, Cinder. I, I don't care about legacy at all. I don't care if no one ever remembers me once I'm dead. I genuinely don't care yeah, at all. That's just, that's that's just not, normal? not that common, I think. I don't okay. think, especially not for competitive people, I don't think that's common. I think the competitiveness is wanting to be the best, wanting to beat everyone, to prove yourself to yourself and to others. And the ratio between those can be very different. Like Some people almost only care that they did it to themselves. Like, I accomplished my goal. And for some people, it's it's way more like, I want everyone to think I'm the greatest, right? What or do you want to be remembered is. as, Cinderin? A bit of both, I think, if it was, right? Like, um, 
a lot of it for me is to prove to myself that I can do something. And a lot of it is like, obviously, like positive feedback is something that is amazing, right? Like having people acknowledge other people's accomplishments is a, is a big deal. Right? Well, we're so, talking about different absolutely. things. I'm talking about after you're dead. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I don't care mm. after I'm dead because I'm dead. Right. You know? but is, we're right not talking now, about the sure. same thing with legacy here because we were talking about like, should Dendi have quit? And then be remembered after he quit. Like right. you can have legacy while you're alive. Right? No, I agree. I'm not saying Dendy's dead by all means. I I did jump the, the, the jump the gun a bit, a little bit of a transition okay. there. So uh, I see. Okay. Yeah, not Cause... directly related to Dendy at all. That doesn't make okay. any sense. <laughs> I was just asking because I, I was just talking about with Nikki the other day. Like I I feel weird that I'm the only person I know that doesn't care about any of that stuff. You know. We can I talk about this another time. It's just I interesting. don't know. I, I've thought about it a little bit. I don't really know how much I care about what happens after I'm gone, but I think having a legacy while you're alive is definitely something that everybody okay, that's to some totally extent different. cares about. Yeah, that's yeah. totally different. Yeah. But that was sure. the that was the thing with this Dendy talk, right? Like a lot of people are like, he's past his prime, he should have quit long ago. He was the best at TI one or TI two, TI three, that era. He got like one championship and two finals. Uh he was Consider the greatest player of all time for a while there. And then it just got worse and worse. But he wants to play and he has to drive. Let the man play. It's commendable. Like, and I think pretty much everybody is rooting for him regardless of whether they think he's good or not anymore. I would right? love for him to do well for a couple of reasons. I also, I'm so happy that Seb did well because it was a similar story. Like Seb hadn't really had big successes. He had... Uh, we we played a TI together. We won a dream hack that people thought was impossible because Navi was unbeatable at the time. So like at that in that moment, that was a great achievement. But in the grand scheme of Dota, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? Because it wasn't a TI. Um, but people had counted him out. They were like, "This player isn't good enough." So he's like, he starts coaching OG. He comes back to play. They're like, "Oh God, this will be terrible." Seb can't play at this high level. And then he fucking wins and shuts everybody up. That's the shit you like to see. Yeah, that's I, a very. I good love. I love the underdog story where it's not just the underdog story because sometimes people are the underdog and they're like, wow, you won. It's the one where people talk shit when they don't know and then you <laughs> shut them up. That's so satisfying to see. Like, is that what you think of in your wet dream, Cinderin? I mean, yeah, to an extent. Like, right? There's so <laughs> many people. So with like with Seb, right? The example is with Seb, people were like, this this guy can't play at a high level and then he fucking wins TI. And, they, and then they're like, oh man, it was a fluke. And then he fucking does it again. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, you it's know? obviously a second just, fluke. There's, there's no like, way. There's come no way on, it's like, how much proof do you need that this guy is world class? Right? No, I agree. It's a great that's, story. That's and I think awesome. The, to see. Obviously, the trajectory is quite different than Dendi. Dendi was on top to start, and it's just been steady downhill yes. from then. Uh, for for Seb, I think the coaching helped him more than anything. Honestly, uh, all the players that went through OG over the course of the however many years he was coaching, being in that position to learn from all those genuinely like if you had a hall of fame a lot of hall of fame players there mm. uh obviously helped him a lot i think and For it sure. doesn't hurt of course that he like you said he could be a life coach if he wants obviously based on what we saw in true sight he's got that kind of uh mentality and rapport with his players and whatnot that everybody respects him and he does it in a respectful way that uh just is it's a winning mentality at the end of the day it's a mamba yeah. mentality Cinderin. It's you know what's another you great didn't example catch that of this reference at all. where okay. I did not. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, there's another um, there's another good example of this that you just that you love to see, right? It's like Ti6 to me was very it's very memorable because 
the team that won and the team that got second, people didn't even think would get top eight, probably. Mm. Like, until shortly before. People thought Wings were really good, right? Going in. But when the roster was announced, people didn't even know who these players were. Like, nobody knew these guys. And they come out of nowhere, and they're, like, confident, and they're getting better and better. People don't count them in for much. Then you have the other team, DC, who's, like... The rejects. It's just a random. It seems like a random mix. Whatever is left they over. They Suns fan their way every tournament. And they, damn Suns fan. They and they fuck. They they pretty much sucked at other tournaments for the most part. They did not it's look true. good. And then it was bad. they did it great at TI. And it's so cool to see because it, it's very memorable and it it goes to show like at this level of play with the level of players that are there. They're there really is the potential for any team to click and look look like a totally different beast in the moment. Like when when things just come together, it's like that magical moment that just happens and everything just works. There are so many players that the community count out or say aren't good enough or gave up on long ago. And then there's like superstars that they feel like are untouchable and then they're not. Mm. And that's that's really cool, right? That everybody can bleed and everybody can shine. So... I love I love to see that shit. That's it's so good. Um, yep, I've talked in the past though, on the podcast as well about how good it is to have like a top dog, and that I still think it's dog. great for a game when there's a when there's a superstar, right? I think it, it's good for the game, it's good for branding, it's good for the promotion of the game and for the scene, because then it's also a magnitude when that superstar loses. Right. I um, I've always so been an underdog I think fan. We have a good scene. Over. Thus, being a fan of the Suns my entire life, Cinder, they've always been the underdog. And I've just genuinely never understood like people being fans of teams that just win all the time. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, how is that satisfying? No. You know? know? You would in basketball, right? To each, th- huh? In basketball, you wouldn't mind if Suns won five years in a row, right? I would not mind, but it's been a long struggle of many years of <laughs> mediocrity slash god awfulness. So, yeah. uh, I if I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'll definitely take it. Okay, let's move on to non-Dota related yeah. stuff. Um, Half Life, Alex. As you guys know, a VR only game will be coming to uh, will be coming out in March, I believe. And as of now, all Half Life series are free to play until that launch, which is really cool. If you guys, again, we're we're oldies here. At least I am. You're kind of up there. A lot of people have not played Half Life Two or the original Half Life. They are classic, classic games. Highly recommend you guys check those out since they are free now. Um, and they did an AMA, Sundaran, the Half-Life Alex team, which we don't need to discuss yeah. for very long, but they did reveal a couple of things. Um, a lot of more videos are going to be on the way. Apparently, one of the, the devs, you know how they have head crabs that jump on your face? He apparently cannot handle that happening to him. He has to take the headset off, which worries me. Uh, but he says at the same time, he's literally the only one in the entire office that has that issue. I don't know if it's more of a like nausea thing. I think thing, I could have that a, issue. I think it sounded like it was Actually. more of a he's too scared thing as opposed to I nausea. think it's I think it's about immersiveness. Some people can get incredibly immersed in stuff, whether it's movies or games or whatnot. Um, and obviously the scare factor too, right? But I think those two kind of go hand in hand. I think the people that can get really scared by movies or scared by games are people that are very immersive because to them it becomes so real. Like the disconnect between, oh, I'm just watching something and I'm there is like smaller. I have mm. that, for example, with when I watch movies, I'm really into, I can like, for, I forget the world while I'm watching a movie, unless it's terrible. Uh, like in Bruges. We'll get to that later. Um, <sighs> or. Tease, tease, tease. Um, 
Yeah, and this for the same reason, I really dislike watching... Uh, I don't watch scary movies. I don't play scary video games because I... I get too immersed into it. I actually just can't. Like, if if I, if there's a scary scene in a movie, we've talked about this before, right? How people react to uh, to scary scenes in movies. Maybe we haven't. I don't think what so. Do, if there's something scary that happens, it's funny because people do different things. Some people look away or cover their faces with a pillow, right? Like that's the my the standard, yep. the mm-hmm. trope or whatever. I cover my ears. Really? I I'm not like I don't get visually scared by things. It's the sound. It's always sound that scares me. That's why I hate jump scares. And in video games, when it's all too quiet and then it suddenly gets loud, that scares the fucking shit out of me. So you're in a movie you're theater. Very Not that you have a lot of experience of being in a movie theater because you're still uncultured, but you're in a movie theater, let's say. Uh, scary, like a jump scare occurs. You actually physically put your hands over your ears, like reflex, reflective, reflexively, reflect. As a reflex, if if there's if there's something scary, and I feel especially in those suspense moments where you feel something is coming, with I don't watch scary movies in the theater. I never would, but if it's really scary, then yeah, I would cover my ears. Wait, and I would you keep would watching. prep it. Have, you would prep it like this huh? before it happens, or it's it. I'm asking, yeah. is it like a yeah. yes, is it instinct for you just immediately? I would prep it. Wow. If if I feel like a jump scare is coming, I would cover my ears to not get that that because huh. it's it's the sound that's scary. It's not what's on the screen. Like no, I yeah, I, I can I, I don't get like freaked out by gory shit by any like I have no problem with watching people's throats getting cut or whatever in movies that or you love like, it. God, I disgusting, love disgusting mm. disgusting abominations or whatever that oh, other yeah. people get freaked. Out. I don't care about mm. the visual part. Is very easy for me to deal with. The sound is really. So I don't know. That's it's a different immersion thing, right? So, for example, let's say this guy, if his immersion is very visual, and is like really strong, then he will almost feel like you know that's what you want VR to be, right? It's like maybe it's really intense for him, so he he gets super uncomfortable when this thing jumps on him because his like in his brain it's like actually happening, right? Right. If you don't have that separation, I feel like for me, if I were to play VR in a game like that. The suspense and the sound that would come from these jump scares would like make me fall over. I'm not even gonna right. lie. If yeah. that thing shot at me, I might just no. I it's over. disorienting. I can like, I can definitely understand. Now, by the uh, way, not to go off on a tangent, but you should watch the movie. Not to add to your never-ending list of movies you never watch, a movie called A Quiet Place. Very good. Highly recommended for everybody listening. Anyway, continue. Uh, right. Oh, I should no, mention those, those for Half Life Al- Yeah, in terms of what I do during a scary movie. Uh, it, the only thing I really get scared by, I agree, is I mean, there's some creepy stuff that I wouldn't say I look away or anything, but like I might have a bad dream later from something. Mm-hmm. I don't really like horror movies, but it's mainly the sound. But I don't do anything. I just sometimes I'll jump like if the jump scares in the theater. I'll do this. Right. It's like you know the normal reaction, I think, but nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, well, in ev- terms of like mm-hmm. everybody has jump scares, right? Kind of at least everybody. I, Unless I would say you're almost dead everybody inside. has jump scares. Yeah, yes. you know, it's like it's a it's an it's a natural reaction for your your brain, you know. It's like, oh shit, there's something happening. It's kind of like activating fight or flight, right? Just get scared immediately, and then you realize what's going on. Um, right. But it's just the the magnitude is very different for different people. Um, I, you know what? I can give <laughs> this is a this is a funny example. The this is gonna sound stupid. I have the same thing with balloons. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people can attest to this that if there's like a big balloon being blown air into for example the skit at uh I, you didn't watch the skit at, at this dream league 
but there was a skit where they had the the guy on stage and he was like in a balloon and he kept he was like blowing it up to be bigger and bigger so he could be into it like the fear of that thing breaking because like the, the loud sound that it's gonna make i i really dislike that when there's huh. balloons right when balloons are being blown up you just want them to not pop you know because again it's that like jump scare of the sound i really dislike that wow too. so you just you're the a, same thing. you have a fear of balloons now i'm sure there's a word <laughs> i don't that. have a fear of balloons i can easily be around <laughs> balloons touch know. balloons play ball with balloons i don't care but the, the sound of them puffing but and if the you're jump playing with them really... the, the back of your head is like i don't know if this pops i'm gonna shit my pants basically right i mean it's not that bad okay it's uh, finishing up a half-life alex so. there's not going to be jumping in the game for the most part which is nice for like the nausea people like myself and apparently the game is done so there won't be any oh, in terms of unless there's something crazy that happens there won't be any delays okay and Moving. you have the console to play this so you will play it when it comes out yeah i don't want to get into it i'm pretty disappointed in the valve index or just vr in general i guess it's not just the index but well maybe this game will change your mind i mean you're yeah. definitely going to try it right Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I get it for free, so why not? Yeah. Um, people that have Valve Index get it for free. Okay. Uh, YouTube exclusivity, Cinder. And so there's a huge announcement, which we don't need to, again, we're not from these scenes, but this mm-hmm. is an esports podcast, technically. Uh, Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, and Hearthstone esports will now exclusively be on YouTube instead of Twitch. Yep. This is pretty giant news. Yes. What are your, what are your initial thoughts on this? I think this is super good. That's my initial thoughts. Super good. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, competition is what gives the end user the better product. And Twitch has... It hasn't had a monopoly, but it's pretty damn close for five years in esports. Like, the streaming, it's the place. It still is the place, but now Mixer are starting to get their hands on it. YouTube are starting to invest more than we thought they maybe would. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're definitely doubling down here with getting these productions on there. So what does this mean? This, In the end, it means more competition, which means more money for talent involved, more money for organizers involved, more money for players involved, more money for... Um, well, was that everybody that's kind of in it, I guess, uh, <laughs> for the production, whatever it is. Like Anything. everything... There's When there's more competition, it also makes people strive to make a better product. So it will make Twitch put in more effort and offer people better contracts to run their tournaments or their content on their stream because they know that now there's other big guns that are out to get their content right? and they need the views. It's not like you're just going to, you're not Twitch and this happens and you're like, man, whatever, we still have the other games. Like this, this is something, okay? Yeah. This is a, you need to respond to this or you lose your market majority. Well, I mean, so, again, we can go back to when Twitch started to get really popular. It was between that and Own3D and then yep. pretty quickly Own3D just died. And it it's been bankrupt. basically just Twitch. Like, it has been essentially a monopoly, like you said. So this is obviously very good on a lot of fronts like that. Uh, YouTube, in terms of, um, like, just watchability, if, if that's even a word. Like, it, they have good routing. Like, it's YouTube, yeah, right? Yeah, they have so super good servers. The only problem I have with it is it, the UI has always been kind of, not the UI of the actual screen itself when you're watching, or mm. the web player, but the UI of, like, getting into YouTube Live is just weird, because maybe it should be a separate product, like separate branding. I... Yeah, the primary criticism I'm hearing with YouTube right now is that if you don't know it's on, you won't find it, right? Yeah, pretty much. The game. And... But then again, you can also make a lot of, you know, I, I can complain a lot about the way YouTube does stuff now just for videos on themselves. So it, right. 
I don't know. I mean, one could hope that now that they're investing this much into bringing big productions on there, they must be doing an effort to make people find it, right? And make it more navigation, right. navigatable, navigable, navigable. Is that what Navigable. Now it is. Yeah, sure. Because, um, yeah, I, there's, in theory, there should be a really big viewership on YouTube, right? If they have good servers, they have good routing. Most people use YouTube. There's probably very few people that use Twitch that aren't also on YouTube. So... You should, you know. I've never heard of YouTube before. The main thing, <laughs> the main thing I would want out of it is, I still think the thing that Twitch clearly has a leg up in is, um, is chat. And I know you don't care very much about it, but for a very big part of the community, chat is a big part of the game, and the other chat experiences just don't come close yet. It feels like. Uh, I think part of it is UI. I think part of it is maybe history, where you know they're just th- behind by defaults. I don't know but... how you can win in the chat department, but if you don't have access to Keck W, I mean, it's not possible. <laughs> I will. You that could is buy Keck W. YouTube the reason I like that emote, you know me, I'm not a big chat guy on Twitch. I'm not a. I'm not right. a Twitcher. I don't know what you call yourselves. Disgusting. Uh, whatever you are, Cinderin, you're a degenerate uh-huh. essentially. But Keck okay. W is fucking good. That's a good one. <laughs> It's really good. I enjoy it. Dude, I actually have that. In, that's like the one emote I don't have on my channel. Mine is in lowercase only. When you write, when you write kick W in my reason. stream, it, it writes debated, actually. <laughs> oh, that's I, good. I, there was somebody who uploaded on BTTV or Frankerfaces, whatever it was, with kick W, and then it's just a debated, a bigger debated face. <laughs> that's fine. I have not changed that. Well done, Cinderin. I actually Fucking understand w, that joke. Man. Okay, moving on. Um, League of Legends. This, I, I laughed so hard when I read this. League of Legends professional players are not allowed to stream during Academy Games. Academy Games, to my understanding, are like the Tier 2 tournament scene yeah. for, for League. They're not allowed to stream during those tournament games. Your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I get what they're trying to do. I just... It doesn't work like that. Right? Like to a degree it does they might get 10 percent more viewership yeah i mean it works a bit and if that's what they want then sure but what you're basically doing is you're stifling the overall viewership of your game in favor of one piece of content right so let's say a, what's a big streamer in league double lift maybe he was the one in this link right he's a big streamer i would say if Let's say he pulls like 25, 30, 40K. I don't know what he does, uh, but he pulls big numbers, surely. Now, he's not allowed to stream, and then the Academy stream gets 5K more viewers. Was that a win? Because you get more exposure for your Academy games? For the game, probably not. For him, yeah. absolutely not, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the clip, and by they, the way. You've got to feel bitter about it. You know, like that's, oh, of course. You're, just, you're, you're just Riot's bitch, you know? They're telling well, you what you can and can't do, even when you're not at work. Let's, let's you are that's, not playing right now. They're still stifling new, your growth. That if they yeah, that's, they should understand. I'm not you know I'm not on Riot's side at all. But they should understand at this point what Riot does. This is just what they've always done, right? It's just uh, different. What's the saying? Uh, same shit, different day. It, yeah, essentially. The I same feel like thing. this is to me this is a slightly different level though because is it's it? one thing to tell the pros you are a professional player playing in our league. So you are competing in our game, following our rules, and you have to do these and these things because of you in these games. I mean, that's one thing. That's like an exclusivity contract, right? 
it's I just feel like it's an extra step to in addition say okay well you're you're off right now you are not performing your League of Legends act as a pro player right now but by the way you still can't do something personal hmm. when you're off it's like telling a, a sports player that during the off season they can't visit their family you know I mean it's a weird fucking comparison but you get what I'm getting at here right no, I it's understand. like why can't you in your you can... spare time do what you want Right. Like, I mean, basically, they're extending the contract now to saying outside of the fact that you can't uh, stream other games, which I mean, it's debatable if that's fair, but that's one thing you can't, you know, you're committed to this game and we want you to promote our game as a pro player. Fair enough. He would be promoting their game. He is literally, he would be streaming League, which is good for them. It's a big stream on Twitch. Right. That, that's, I mean, we understand that's the thing, that. Right. So, Maybe this is an experiment of sorts. Who who actually knows? I mean, wait, c- you're could right. you hear me it, popping bubble wrap? By the way, no. Yeah. Somebody in chat wrote pop pop. So it's the League of Legends uh, professional scene. Pop pop going away. Oh yeah, uh, it's going pop pop. I, I would agree. It's an escalation, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. Uh, thus, the laughter that I that ensued yeah. upon reading this for the first time. It's it's just it's funny because you could criticize every one of these big companies because they do stuff that's just so stupid, just so dumb, including Valve at times. And it's like, well, there must be a reason. There must be something deeper than we than because the clip of uh, what was his name, Double Lift. I don't know mm-hmm. the names of anybody in the scene, but the clip of him finding out on stream that he's not allowed to stream is. It was pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I feel bad I for him seen, because I haven't seen the clip. I just saw that. <laughs> it's it's like oh. Apparently, I'm not allowed to stream this. And he's obviously not happy about it. But what can you do? You're under contract with Riot. And yeah. they are your overlords. They own your nutsack. They... You know, I have, a better, I have a better comparison now, I think, than the shitty one I gave before. Okay. Imagine, you're, imagine you're a pro football player and the NFL is on and you're not playing. You didn't make the Super Bowl. Mm. But now that the Super Bowl is on, you are not allowed to stream or like to to make a video from from the event right be like hey look like if you're there watching the super bowl or whatever you're not allowed to do it because it takes viewership away from the super bowl i have a better analogy for you that's real so i don't know what the contracts are like in the nfl so i'm just going to use nba as usual i there are stipulations in contracts where you're not allowed to play other sports but it's because of risk of injury sure i mean that's i mean that's kind of fair i think I, I think it's fair, but it's along the same level if you kind of think about it, to a degree at least, not the injury portion, obviously. Unless you're really worried about that carpal tunnel, boy, oh boy, it's sweeping yeah, the nation. I mean, it's, it's also, sometimes it's a bit dangerous to draw direct comparisons. There's so much overlap between esports yeah. and sports, but one of the big things that is different is the physical aspect, right? That's the biggest difference between the two. The mental aspect, the competitiveness, the preparation, all of the hard work is very similar. But the physical part is something else. Like if I was playing pro sports, I think I would completely understand why uh, my contract would want me to not risk injury by going skiing on my holiday if I'm a pro footballer. In case you're also getting paid shits tons of money, which makes it feel a little bit better as well. But so the thing I just said is that actually a thing? Do you know? Like, or maybe it was a bad example to say the Super Bowl because that's the the grand one, right? But for example, if you were a, a high tier pro footballer and the What's the what's like the second division below the NFL called? College. Is that just call college football? NCAA. Yeah. yeah. Imagine during college football that any of the NFL players was not allowed to, you know, p- 
post on social media or something or make a video on social media because it could take views away from college football or whatever. Like, yeah, there's no I, way that's a thing. I understand right? where you're going with this, but I'm not going to go off on a tangent. But NCAA uh-huh. is beyond fucked up. Players okay. are exploited on a ridiculous level and they get paid zero dollars and they're not allowed to take sponsorship money. It's like a big thing in the U.S. Um, okay. That's for another time. So if you think about it, this, actually might be more fucked up than what League, what Riot is doing. Actually, well, okay, never mind. I don't know <laughs> enough about it, Shannon. I don't know enough about these. No, sports, it's. But, it, I never really thought about it, that. But, it makes yeah. it. Abs- it's all. The, it's absurd. All the same. Like even if it's normal there, it's just absurd there too. Then, like, yeah. I still stand by that. That's no. I I totally oh. agree. Okay, moving on to the next fuck up in uh, esports. Uh, Woo. <laughs> Apparently, Overwatch in the next season, uh, a month into the season, they will start essentially banning heroes. I think they got this idea from Underlords, actually. The jail that apparently doesn't exist anymore in Underlords. Uh, It's going to be based off of what heroes have been picked, how often they're picked, and they will be banned for X amount of time, and it'll just dynamically work that in. Everybody, basically, the, the reaction to this is very negative, and the most common comment is, oh, can't balance the game? So... This is what you put in instead. Uh, your thoughts on this announcement for Overwatch? In a, in a way, Dota game. historically, Dota has done this to a minor level, right? Like when a new hero is added, it's not in captain's mode, but it's the other way around, right? Because that's where you put in a new design, you're not sure how competitively fair it is, so you test it out, and then when you feel like it's there, you add it. Whereas they just shoveled in all of their characters, everything was available, something is apparently overpowered, and then instead of balancing them they just take out the best characters is that what this is like i don't know overwatch i've never played it so i don't know how much it matters what they're gonna i don't know again i don't know how the classes work exactly but they're gonna it's not gonna be based purely on pick rate it's gonna be x amount from this type of class x amount from this type of class so there's a little bit of wiggle room i i couldn't i could never answer that question it's blizzard that's why okay there's okay Think about what other options you had. Number one, you could balance your fucking game, okay? <laughs> if a class is deemed too good, you have some knobs you can turn, right? They don't have if ice don't frog, do, If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to rebalance your heroes, let the players ban at least, yeah. right? Like, why not let the players decide what's broken? Why should it be the company? Like, I mean, sure, even if you have... You can have competent people hired to do this and to balance this, like whoever does the banning of heroes based on whatever metrics they do it on. But this is inherently pretty unfair, right? Because some of the heroes that will be banned might be rated way higher from one team than another. And it's just banned by default. Like they don't even get to have a say in it. You can't be strategic and go into a match and be like, man, this guy is whatever the fucking is their character called Reinhardt, I think. I remember that because it sounds like a fucking character from a medieval game. Reinhardt, yeah. This guy's Reinhardt. I don't even know if the class is good. Whatever. Let's say this guy's Reinhardt is really good. So we're going to ban that because that is going to affect their competitive performance. That's like strategy. That's interesting, right? It's Dota. I don't fucking Like, why are they just default (laughs) ban? What kind of thing is this? I don't. It's the same reason they come out with Overwatch 2 when it's an expansion, really. You know? I mean, again, the only thing we can say is <sighs> it's Blizzard. That's why. Right. Like, we've gotten to a point here. Like, I feel like us oldies, if you want to call us that, the reason that we keep bringing up and we're just shocked by Blizzard and their repeated mistakes over and over is because we remember we when they were good. We experienced greatness. We experienced actual there. great games. Diablo 2, 
Starcraft into Brood War, Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3. Fucking incredible games. Original World of Warcraft. What a fucking god-tier game that was. And then for Activision the especially. Activision bought them. They let Ice Frog walk for whatever reason. They never were interested in Dota. And they have gone. I mean, maybe Which they made more money now. might be a blessing now. at this point. It might yeah. be a blessing that they might they have didn't ruined take them him with what yeah. happened. Very true. Maybe Ice Rock could have talked them out of being bought. Yes, that sounds very like, likely. Listen, <laughs> listen here, guys. Don't sell out your company for fifty billion. <laughs> We're making Dota here. Okay. I mean, again, it's maybe they, in the grand scheme of things, they probably made more money as a result of everything they've done. But they look like shit. Their games are not like compared to their classics. They're shit. I think we can agree on that at least. What is likely happening? They might have made more money short term, but if they don't repair the ship in the, down the stretch, this will have cost them. Right. And not like, to add insult to injury syndrome, but we're going to talk about one more thing. And guess what? It's Blizzard related. Everyone, wow. was, very, <laughs> everyone was very excited for Warcraft 3 Reforged. Uh, essentially, it's like a reskin of Warcraft 3, some new animations, new a lot of new models, like... A lot of the graphics are redone, some different UI and whatnot, and the reaction has been so fucking bad. I'm going to give a, a short list of the things that I found very quickly in my Google search. Things that I they okay, really didn't like. Let me like. just say this before. No, let me preface this. Okay, okay, guys. So we have this outline, right? So we remember <laughs> to talk about everything. And usually, when you're talking about something, you have like pros and cons list, right? <laughs> So Shannon has Warcraft 3 Reforged, and then the bullet point after is the bad, and there is seven bullet points, and there's nothing, <laughs> nothing good. Nothing good about it. Literally it's fine. Not biased at all. Yes. So here are the bad things. I, I just said what the pros were. <laughs> here New are graphics. the bad things. The game. <laughs> <laughs> Looks pretty. Okay, so the bad things. missing. It's missing a lot of cutscenes that were used in the marketing campaign. I didn't know exactly what this meant, but I looked at a, a trailer. And there's a scene where, like, uh, Abathur, I believe, I can't remember what their names are, talking to somebody else. And it's, like, up close and personal. It looks kind of cool, like new models and whatnot. And then in the mm. actual game, it's literally a top-down view. Their backs are to the camera. Like, you can't see shit. I'm like, what the hell? So people are really upset about that. Apparently, the game is very buggy. crashes a lot. The UI, apparently, to a lot of people, is worse than the original in some ways, which that's... I don't know how that's possible. The UI was, that's the one thing I would look back and that UI was fucking garbage back in the day. Uh, a lot of Warcraft login. Free? Do you think that UI was bad? I mean, years later, yes. Wait, but which part, which parts of it were bad? Like, I just, like I'm not saying you're just, wrong. Everything's super bulky. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just one of those things looking back. So now do you it mean looks in bad game me. or in the menu? What I'm like talking about in is in game, but it uh -huh. could be in the menu as well. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, uh, a lot of login connectivity issues. Basic features from Warcraft 3 are not there anymore, apparently, which includes, but not limited to, automated tournaments, clans, profiles, and competitive ladder. Uh, and also, people are <laughs> reporting that they're being banned from Blizzard forums for complaining or asking for refunds. And That could have something to do with their wording, not asking for a refund, possibly, but being like, fuck I just figured, shit company, give me monies, Bic. I'm, you know. It does cost $30 for the base mm. amount and $40 for the next step up. It has on Metacritic from users, not that this means anything, a out of 10 points, they have 0 0.7 right now as of this recording. Okay. Impressive. Now, yeah. the coup de grace. I did not pre-order this game. Me neither. The coup de grace, so, as it's actually pronounced, Cinderin, which again, yeah, this I is know. the last point of negativity. Coup de grace. Coup de grace. Uh, coup de grace. The thing that people are most upset about is that there's wording 
let me just read actually what it says here. So in the, what is this thing called? The EULA, right? EULA? The, the legal, the legal language and whatnot. I think it's it called the EULA, right? The EULA. It says, quote unquote, custom games are and shall remain the sole and exclusive property of Blizzard. Without limiting the foregoing, you hereby assign to Blizzard all of your rights, title, and interest in and to all custom games, including but not limited to any copyrights in the content of any custom games. It sounds like they want to go back in time and prevent Dota 2 from being a thing that Valve can pick up. Is hey that guys. A fair assessment, Cinderin. League players, do you feel like you're Riot's bitch? Here's what it's like when you're someone's <laughs> bitch, okay? Let's one up you. Hold my beer. This please. is it. Here you go. Oh, you guys have a great idea to make a great game? We made this. I made this. Blizzard's just like, I made this to everything. Everything you made, oh, I made this. Oh, God. How do they not? Dude, learn? what basic what you basically do with this is you kill custom games. Like, why would anyone want to make a game that they don't even like they don't even own anything to it? Not even the I idea. disagree. I think that people will still do it. Maybe not to the extent of what they may have or like may have done without this wording. I think most people will still make custom games, but they will get fucked. And they will get fucked hard yeah. by Blizzard if it's successful. Okay, the, the the thing you just want to not happen is that people make an amazing game and they didn't know that these were the terms. Like right. That would be the biggest shame. If somebody puts in shitloads of hours to make the best game they can in the hope that it gets them some financial return and then Blizzard's just like, no, didn't you read the fine print? Like, that's my biggest concern. I mean, it's one thing you make a strict policy like this and then we can ag agree or disagree like about how terrible this is for the game and in general as a, as a move. I'm sure they have their reasons for it business-wise, but the big losers here are the ones that put in the effort and don't know the terms. And I there will be some of them. There, you're probably right. There will but be some people. I feel like this news is so big and negative right now that most people should know about I mean, it. Most people will at, at least. Point. Yeah, sure. Uh, I just, okay, let's try to put on Blizzard's hat right now. Like, why are you doing this? Is it strictly because you're worried that somebody uses your engine to create an amazing game and then they profit off it and you kind of help them but got nothing in return? Or is it to prevent having to have people sift through tons and tons of copyright claims? But you still have to do that, right? If people put stuff into your game you know what? and it's copyrighted a, material, you're the one with the problem, right? Because you own it now. This is So you this, need to do all the lawsuits. This is the episode of analogies. I'm going to give you an analogy. Right? Have you seen Harry Potter or read Harry Potter? I've uh, done yes. both. Harry yes. Potter 1, Professor Quirrell is Blizzard. Voldemort's fucking head <laughs> attached to the back of his head is Activision. That is how I look at this relationship right now. I don't know if it's realistic. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if this is just me being me. <laughs> but Activision, ever since Voldemort has been attached to Blizzard, they have gone down the fucking toilet. This company is complete fucking garbage right now. Everything they do is wrong. Every single step of the way is horribly, horribly wrong. Pro poor Professor Quirrell. He just wants to get out. He just wants to kill himself at this rate. Just wants to touch Harry Potter so he can explode. Well, that is. But Voldemort has other plans. Yeah. Yeah. Sad days. Might need Cinder. to wrap on the turban again. <laughs> yes. But that won't really help. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, well, it just makes is, it less transparent to other people. <laughs> exactly. The turban doesn't exist in this reality because we know that Activision is Voldemort in this scenario, right? At least now we do. It's been uncovered. Okay. 
Activision, by the way, we're still looking for sponsors for our <laughs> podcast. Uh, if you want to promote your titles, oh, man. we're very open At to sponsorships. At this rate, we're going to talk shit about every company. I mean, not that Blizzard would ever... Sp- I mean, that would be an amazing sponsorship. Please. Bio- I will stop talking. I'll stop talking shit about Blizzard if they pay us a lot of money. It's going to have to be like 10 times more than we're asking for. But it's possible. If they pay us a lot of money. Just throwing it. It's got to be a lot, though. Let's be real. Uh <laughs> Do you have any more thoughts oh, about Warcraft 3 Reforged, Cinderman? I'll be honest, I have not seen any footage from it. Great. I've just heard about the shitstorm, and it has really discouraged me from picking up the game. Oh. Have you seen oh, screenshots okay. at so, least? Does, you know, yeah, I saw it. It doesn't interest you on any level. Just I think I saw the reaction. screenshot of, what was it? Was it uh, Arthas, the undead Arthas? Looked mm-hmm. uh, weird. I don't know. There's a female demon hunter, I think, as well, or something going on. How dare they? Um, yeah. I'm not completely sure. Like, none of those models looked that interesting, to be honest. Um, oh, but hard to please. Um, but Techies as an elephant, that is next level, right? That's what you're into now. <laughs> I mean, it, lo- <laughs> it looks better, let's be honest. It does. Uh yeah, I don't know. I the thing I'm mainly interested in is not that this game fucked up. It's I just want to see Blizzard make a good PR move. Like do the right thing now, <laughs> right? Like what That's what's interesting to me here. What are you going to do? Are you going to change your EULA? Are you going to update the game? Are you going to apologize for it being released in a fucking unfinished state? This is something Blizzard never would do in the past. Right. That's one of the things that Blizzard and Valve did right. 10 years ago was that they would announce a release date and then they would be like, the game is not ready, guys. It, it will come out later because we want it to be perfect. And people were like, oh man, I was looking forward to this. This sucks. But then when the game comes out, they're like, holy shit, this was worth the wait. This game is amazing. You can't promise cutscenes and then they're not there. Like, you're one of the biggest game companies in the world. How can you do this? Like, did nobody realize it or did they think it would just fly under the radar? Like it's false advertising. It's it's like borderline fraud, right? Like you're you're misleading people into buying your game. So that's why when there's something being shown in an ad about a game, they have to put not actual game footage text on the screen, so people don't think this is what they get when they buy it. Right. Like, so I actually have an uh, answer to your. I, I just thought of this. And I think this actually makes so much sense now on some level. Obviously, the incompetence is beyond belief and there's no excuse. Mm-hmm. But Activision Blizzard, and I had to double check, they are a public trading company. So they, they do have to answer to stockholders, right? So this yeah. is just off the top of my head. But if you're promising something, then it pretty much has to come out in that time range or else stockholders will not be happy. Valve, on the other hand, is a privately owned company. So True. they can do whatever the fuck they want, which is that, you know, obviously benefit where you can come out with whatever Valve time, etc. So yeah. that probably has something to do with it. But again, this is on a, a new level of incompetence that we have never seen from any game company at this level. But so congratulations, the thing is, this is, not, this is not every game company. That's the thing. It's like, it's a big company doing it, but there are companies that kind of uphold this old tradition almost at this point, it feels like, of, you know, I can give you a great example. There's a game I'm really looking forward to this year, which was even supposed to come out last year. It's, um, what's the full name of it? Ah, uh, fuck. Meat Boy Forever, I think it's called. Super Meat Boy Forever? Oh, you love Meat Boy, yeah. 
I've seen you yeah. play it. I loved Super Meat Boy. The game was amazing. And they announced it would come out. I, th- I don't know what the original release date was. If it was like April last year or something, they were like, it'll come out later. And they postponed it again. They were like, the game is not finished. And I know I'm not every player, right? I'm not angry at them. I'm like, take your time. Make this game awesome. Because I want to enjoy this game. I want it to be as awesome as the first one was. Um, and they're, they're doing it. They're, they're just like a smaller, indier uh, studio, I think. Um, but there's a lot of good to be said uh, uh, about not rushing games. Another game that I really look forward to that went the other direction was... Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big MMO fan. I've played a decent amount of MMOs in my life. And... There's this game that came out, I want to say, about a decade ago called Age of Conan. Um, oh, I've heard of it. Based yeah. on Conan the Barbarian. And no, not Conan O'Brien. Okay, just checking. No. No, so Age of Conan uh, came out back then, and it there were some really cool things in that game, and there were some awesome elements. The game was just released half a year too early, and unfortunately... They had this huge surge of players in the start, and the game just almost died within three months. And it was that game could have, if they would have waited six months, taken that little bit of a hit. Okay, we don't make the six months of profit. The long term gains, if you have a, f- a freaking good game when you release it, has to be better, right? Are yeah. we the idiots here for thinking this is a good strategy? Like, is it better to just release and write the hype, and then your game just dies at the snap of a finger? Is that better than having like consistent player base over? like years from making a good game like maybe our cost benefit is off i i just don't i don't see it something's off that's for sure but i don't know i don't i mean did they ever come out with that mobile diablo remember they announced that a few years ago and people oh diablo immortal or whatever yeah did it ever i think it's still in development i don't know i'm really looking forward to that one boy oh boy yeah i can't wait um okay anything else i've been uh, i've been unusually slightly bitter this episode i'm not actually angry or in a bad mood today this just I like haven't noticed it's just stupid like stop being fucking dumb <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> it's oh, it's called man. uh you're allergic to common sense right that's that's essentially what blizzard is in a nutshell right now um i don't know i mean at least like right it feels like they're evil but they're diabolical and they're smart at least about it, right? <laughs> chaotic <That's> evil. <laughs> chaotic. No, not chaotic. It's not chaotic, right? It's. it's Who's, who, wait, what's it? What's the? Wait, hang on. I need to oh, look boy. at the whole chart. Here we actually. go. What's whatever the Blizzard is, Blizzard is whatever. I don't know. I, I've never. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what they're called. Blizzard. Well, is here something. it is. They're nu- neutral evil. Riot. Neutral right? evil. Or are they lawful evil? I think they're law. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I was never into that meme when it was a thing. So you're going to have okay. to tell me. I, I look at Blizzard as kind of the like, okay. So Riot is like the evil villain, right? Very smart mastermind, has diabolical plans, is evil, but at least knows what they're doing. Blizzard is the literal village idiot. They are just running around in circles. They're like the, the chicken with their head cut off, right? They're just running around. <laughs> they don't know Chaotic what the fuck's going neutral. on. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, they're a, they're a goddamn chicken. So God be with them. Uh, good luck, Blizzard, <laughs> really. Okay, Shannon, Wait. which one is it? Is Blizzard, Quill, and Voldemort, or is it a chicken? <laughs> have to choose now they're it all of the above both. they're all encompassed man let's now be real. i'm just picturing Voldemort's head at the back of a chicken <laughs> yeah that sounds a little bit better and he's <laughs> trying to tame it 
Okay. Ugh. That right. brings this uh, very uh, about what I expected, about two hours, close to it. Uh, oh, episode of We job. Say Things. We did. We did. We did very good. So this is going to be, mean, like a, I said, uh, kind of a double episode. So yeah, a double go. episode of sorts. Cut it in half, guys. Yeah. If please. you made it this far, uh, go back and don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we should have said that earlier. Oh well. Oh, well, it's all good. Cinderin, uh, have you watched In Bruges? No, uh, no. Thank you for being a great friend and making this bit funnier and funnier each time we anytime, do it. Anytime, anytime. Thank you. I have, however, Joker, I have to say, I've also not watched. Uh, but you, you got me there. I'm not going <laughs> to You got me there. Thank you, Cinderin. Uh you will be required to watch the whatever wins best picture this year, by the way. Is that the punishment? <laughs> For you, it's a punishment. You have to watch a movie if you lose the bet. I mean, no! at this rate, it sounds like something you just don't like to do. You don't like having fun. Not my nemesis, the film. That's why you like rank Dota so much your entire life in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back the following Tuesday with We Say Things, episode 39. We may have a guest lined up for either next episode or the following one. I'm excited we about do? it. I haven't nice. told you about it yet. We have a guest. That's right. And it's not technically esports related. So oh, shit. that's even more exciting. It's Ice Frog. Stay oh, tuned. Sh- he's... He's more than esports. He's he's a lifestyle. Anyway, thanks guys. Until next time, Sun my name, whatever it is, and Cinderin signing out. Sunk fan. Bye bye. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening. Yeah.